What's up, everybody? This is a Console Crusade podcast. Here we talk retro games, video game news, and switch, 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 switch. <laughs> my name is EJ Olson. Joining me today to talk switch, switch, switch is my <laughs> man Nick Durham. What is up, dude? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I'm excited too, but that was pretty excessive, actually. <laughs> you know, in my notes, I actually wrote switch seven times, and I only said it that first time, like maybe five times. You're already going off script. Things could be going better, you could say. Well, fuck a day, man. We are, as of this recording, it's the 27th. Uh, Switch comes out the 3rd. If you're listening, this is probably the 6th. So, (laughs) (laughs) this is our official pre-Switch podcast. All right, what are we doing today? One of several. Well, this is the official pre-Switch podcast. I mean, technically, all of our podcasts have been pre-Switch podcasts. If we're going to be pedantic about it. And we know that's how you like to roll. No, this is, we're doing, you know, we're talking review roundup. We're talking, I mean, we'll talk a little bit of Zelda, but we mostly want to get into some of the news, the new news, things we haven't talked about so far. And there's a lot of it. Like I'm looking at my list here as I, as I do do. And goddamn, it's a list. So I don't know where we even want to start. I guess we're going to go kind of jump into the Switch review roundup. I think the embargo lifted on reviewing it units like three days ago, four days ago. Um, previewing it. Right. Uh, I think software embargo was up yesterday or the day before. Damn, I'm not sure. It's still preview. It's not till the first and the second that the review embargo lifts. Yeah, I guess the impressions are out there on YouTube. Unboxings went live about five days ago, and I've seen some Zelda like Let's Play stuff. Uh, well, a little bit of it. I've been trying to stay mostly spoiler-free, as I know you have. Yeah, the only footage I've seen was E3 and then like some trailers. So you are, you're going in like newborn baby. Oh yeah. I watched a little bit of a, some speculation videos from the boys at game explained because that's entertaining as hell. But I mean, nothing too like real, I guess I tried to look up like is breath of the wild a, a wind waker sequel. And I couldn't find anything substantial. Just the fact that we got Koroks again, and we've got the Rito again. I'm like, dude, this, this fits somewhere in that timeline and it tickles me. I'm excited. I mean, I don't think it really matters one way or the other. They're clearly borrowing from that aesthetic. Very similar to that or Skyward Sword. It's closer to Skyward Sword, probably. I don't know. It seems like a pretty fair mashup between the two. Like, the cell shading is is mighty in this game. Uh, I need my Toon Link again. We got two sequels in that universe, and those sucked. I never played Spirit Tracks or Phantom Hourglass. I did not play Spirit Tracks, but I did play Phantom Hourglass. And maybe this was just coming from a... Uh, an ill-informed high school kid who didn't like change because now I'm just an ill-informed 25 year old who doesn't like change but it, a lot different back then you see <laughs> I did having a control link on the bottom screen with my stylus just fucking pissed me off I was like this is not right it's like wow controls right and it's like touch and drag it was really strange and, and the graphics look like fucking crap and you know it's just super jaggy it was the DS it it tried and in retrospect I appreciate that it did uh, and what it did. Not my Zelda. <laughs> Not my Zelda hashtag. Uh, so anyway, we've got our, our review roundup up here. And I had a giant sort of an actual roundup, a huge list of just pull quotes for, uh, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly kind of thing. Mm. But I'm going to ignore that. And we're going to just touch on a few things here. If you're listening to this, the three of you, as we... I'm sorry for one. <laughs> well, we, we, always, we always give a shout out to the same three people. I'm not going to name you this time, but shouts out to you. You know who you are. You know. Here's the thing. If you're listening to this, you know the fucking Switch comes out in, in five days now. 
at the time of this recording. You also know all of its pros and cons. Anything people have been talking about, you're aware. But we want to talk about this because we haven't had a chance to. I haven't had a chance to talk to you on or off the pod in what feels like fucking weeks. You've been gone. You're dead of the world. You went to Disneyland or something. I was on vacation. I'm all sunburned. I don't know if you can see on the webcam. I just, no, you got a pink nose. I see that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been <laughs> peeling like a motherfucker. You look like a lush. To be fair, I am a total drunk for those of you who are listening. That's not true. I'm lying. Uh, anyway, Joy-Con issues, man. Joy-Con issues. This is the number one thing we need to talk about when it comes to the reviews here. Because we know the Switch, you know, there's nothing terribly surprising that came out with these re- reviews. What we expect is what we're getting for the most part. Mm-hmm. But the Joy-Con issues, I don't know. Nobody really knows what's causing them. You saw this, though, presumably. Yeah, I saw a video breaking down what's happening and then a compiled list of tweets from various outlets and reviewers that were experiencing the same problems. So it seems pretty much like unilateral across the board. This is a thing that's happening with all versions of the Joy-Cons, not just the grays, not just the reds, or the blues. But it all seems to be happening with just one side, which is kind of weird. That's only happening to the left Joy-Con. Really strange. But it makes sense that there's if there's something inhibiting the signal, the innards of both controllers are different and they're they're going to be placed differently just based on the, where the joysticks are or whatever. So it's like, okay, it's only happening on the left. There's something with the placement of the components that might be causing this. Or what I was thinking, and I was seeing various different speculations on this also, is that it's a, a power differential that the right side is getting more power to all of its components because as the NFC and the IR reader and that the left side is just less powered all like all around. So that somehow is pushing less power out to the Bluetooth signal. We, uh, Andre from game explained did, I think the initial uh, video testing this where he covered it completely half covered it, put it behind his back. It stands the reason that if you cover the sensor or whatever is emitting your, your Bluetooth signal that it could inhibit the, the signal and decrease functionality, right? Like humans are made up of water. How much, what, what's the percentage? 78% water? Something like that. Something like that. We, we are very dense creatures. Very dense and wet. And we are very moist creatures. And Just full of blood. <laughs> blood and guts. And those, those blood and guts absorb those signals and, and okay, impedes performance. That makes, that makes sense, I guess. But the fact that, this is a few points I want to make here. The fact that like a PlayStation controller has no issues. I can take that thing to the bathroom and keep playing, right? No big mm. deal. Uh, so when you start looking at the, the specs of these controllers and at some of the FCC filings without getting into, you know, getting too granular with the technology here because I'm not qualified to do so. But the Bluetooth, the signal on the Joy-Cons run at just shy of uh, four decibel milliwatts. I know that sounds like some Back to the Future shit. No, I was just, I was literally just reading the same thing. That's why the power. That's like the one thing that they could patch is they could just bump more power into it, right? Because they've got a ceiling of what, like ten. Um, I, I I'm not sure about that. The issue here is if they do do that, that's gonna do do <laughs> do do. That's gonna fuck up battery life. So they're promising X amount of battery life. So it stands the reason. Okay, sure, we can we can patch in, pump up the juice here. Go to 4.5 decibel milliwatts, whatever. That's going to affect battery, whatever. And that, that could be a, an issue in and of itself. Obviously, we hope Nintendo addresses this before day one. And if they don't, you know, that video that uh, Game Explain put out, it really, I mean, you really have to be covering that thing for it to not work. So until we get our hands on it and see, who knows? But it seems kind of like the CNET kickstand video where it's like, really, are you actually going to experience this IRL? 
Like, are you putting this thing behind your back and playing? Well, the thing is, the thing is that the the stuff I was seeing, what Game Explain was doing was just showing you what was happening with the uh, little display on the screen for the to check the connectivity that it's still connected, but then it was having this weird lag with like the controls where like the stick would get stuck in one direction. But from what reviewers have been saying is that it's happening while they're playing it in the Joy-Con grip and just in a normal configuration. Okay. So depending on where the antenna is actually located inside of the controller, it's obviously set up in a way that just normal holding it normally is somehow obscuring it and making it not communicate with the device consistently, which is a problem. And I don't understand how that got past QA. You think that Nintendo has been probably testing this a little bit, but to be found out by the hundred reviewers they send it out to. It's not a good look. A week before launch? Like, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> what I think happened is that Nintendo was aware of it, and they said to themselves, we'll figure this out between now and launch. And there is going to be a, a day one like software patch that's going to be adding a whole bunch of stuff. So if this was something that they were just kind of pushing off on the back burner to worry about later, and it is just like a power consumption thing, then that's just... It's not a good look to have the review version of the hardware like not working this well. I think they were aware of it, and, and like I said, they, they told themselves, we'll figure this out before launch, but we need to get this in production. We need to get this out there. Uh, and, and I hope, and maybe they're hoping, that this really is something that can be fixed on the engineering side of things and the, or the programming side of things, and that they're not going to have to go back to the drawing board and re-engineer a Joy-Con and, you know, this. What, what if this is the Red Ring of Death for Nintendo? Or the Wii Motion Control Plus. That that was a little bit different because the Wii Motion, uh, the, or the original Wii Motion, like, did what they said it would, was going to do. But it's not, not as well as anybody wanted it to. Exactly. So the Red Ring of Death cost Xbox a billion dollars. You know, sending out new units, repairing units. I mean, that was a, just such a huge blender on Microsoft's part. I don't think that'll be the case here because there aren't going to be millions upon millions of these things out there and it's like accessory things so it's not like the whole unit is doa right worst case scenario is they send out new joy cons to all you know nine hundred thousand switch owners like like if they get ahead of this thing but mm. fingers crossed that this isn't the day one patch you know from what i've heard you know on twitter or whatever seeing people talk is that nintendo this is not going to be addressed in the initial day one update but that nintendo is aware of the problem and that supposedly they're going to have a fix before launch so yeah it's all it's all rumor and hearsay because nintendo doesn't get in front of anything it's all we'll discuss this at a later time yeah so i don't know what the deal is there i really hope it works if we're sitting there fucking with joy cons on day one like that's that's gonna suck dude neither of us are going to be doing that because we are smart people who pre-ordered pro controllers that is true <laughs> and i'm a smart person who gets to benefit from your best buy rewards thing <laughs> all right smart guy <laughs> joy con issues what the fuck ever kickstand issues this is what i'm worried about all right kickstand gate 2017 oh my god <laughs> what's your hot take on 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 putting gate as a as a suffix to any and everything if i wanted to be a hot take it would have to be i approve it and it's a good notifier of the context and the what you're trying to to say. Like, oh, Gamergate, it's like Watergate, but for gamers, right? Dot, dot, dot. Or Deflategate, it's like Watergate, but for Deflate. So wouldn't the hot take be the contrarian take? No, the hot take would be that I approve it. I'm, I'm all for it. 
I love ending words with gate. That's <laughs> my hot true. gate. <laughs> oh God. Hot take gate. Anyway. All right. Kickstand gate. See that. <laughs> I think it was see that put out a video. It, it was see that. Did, did you see the fucking video? Oh uh, yeah. Did you it watch the whole video? <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw him push it over once and I was like, okay, <laughs> I suffered through the whole thing and it is absurd. It looked like something out of a, uh, an infomercial. <laughs> like the, the like the black and white ones where someone is like has a, a pot of spaghetti and they fumble around wildly for like six whole seconds before they drop the pot and it's like never they try to get a cup out of the cupboard and like everything falls and they're like juggling them and they're like oh why did i do this right right i kept hearing a slide whistle in my mind <laughs> oh my god it, i mean that, that it, it was absurd mind numbing it didn't illustrate their purpose well enough and i've heard you know people have had some issues with the kickstand it being like kind of difficult to not difficult to get out but it feels like it's gonna snap like the the build quality on it isn't necessarily the greatest and because it's off center then it definitely is a little bit so like i understand the point they're trying to get to but there's a video of them putting it down and then pushing it over it doesn't illustrate that at all it makes them look like idiots well hey, that's the thing is cnet used to be a, a semi-reputable site i remember going there in you know mid 2000s and cnet was where you went when you had these you know it's Tech questions. That's where you go when you have to re-download software on your new computer. Exactly. You know how many WinZip trials I got from CNET.com? Dozens. Dozens. The thing is, is they, you know, the embargo list in every news site and every tech site and every YouTuber and every every fucking person has their shit ready to go and, and has to stand out in a, a fucking crowd of people doing the exact same thing. So CNET was like, we need to, like, what's our angle going to be that'll draw people to our coverage? And then with the kickstand thing, and I like you said, it makes sense. That kickstand, I was worried about that kickstand the fucking instant I saw it. Because it was off-center, because it was so small, because I assumed the, the weight of the Switch was going to be pretty significant if they crammed a fucking Wii U inside the thing. I was like, that, that, that's potentially going to be an issue. This isn't like a, a, a crucial feature. Like, does it work? Does it work well enough? Is it going to break if I sneeze? No, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Ideally, there would have been maybe two, maybe two kickstands. Right? Or even just a, a something sturdier. I do appreciate that they had the foresight to uh, develop a thing with breakaway hinges so that if you try to dock the thing with the kickstand out, it'll intentionally snap off without breaking anything. That's great. But but the video, it was... He literally, at one point, the guy punches his switch in the middle of the screen with the controller. Like, just right in the center of the screen. Punches the fucking thing over. And he's like, you see? You see what happened? When you fucking push the thing over. I saw a parody video of a guy going, my computer monitor is really unstable. Like, if you push on it backwards, it flies off. And he literally just pushes his computer monitor over. And it's like, oh my God, what a fucking sh- shitty monitor. It's pretty wild. I don't think it's going to be an issue for anybody. Yeah, it's just a funny sensational. I just love seeing all the clickbait stuff on YouTube. It's like, Switch is going to be a failure. What's Nintendo done this time? Or, you know, Switch is going to be the greatest. It's going to sell 300 million units. Everyone's going to have one. Yay! It's one or the other. You know, you got to get people to watch your shit. You got to get people to consume your contents. It's hilarious. This is why you hate YouTube so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, it's it's not that bad. I just like to give it shit because it's an easy target. No, I get it. Like, YouTube culture is fucking cancer. Like, I get it. <laughs> I just want to go watch that video now. I just get a good kick out of it. I wish that the the sort of tech game space was like bigger because that if if that were 
on a, a more global stage and people had seen that video, like that would have become like instant meme status. That's not necessarily true. It doesn't have to be like well known before it becomes like mimetic. It's just be easy to make fun of. And it just wasn't like that funny. It was just like, oh, another cringy tech video. Have you seen 2017's memes? Yeah, they're fantastic. They've been fucking terrible. Come on. Come on. Drew Scanlon just blinking. That's hilarious. Okay, that is one of two good 2017 memes. That one. And the brains. The brains. <laughs> yeah. Going like becoming one with the universe. That's awesome. I love that meme. But the, there were like five good what intonation memes. Five of them. Why did that become a thing? It's still a thing. I hate to bring it why? to you. It's it's only gotten bigger since yesterday. <laughs> the initial meme wasn't that funny with the dog. Dude, the dog was hilarious. It was not funny. <laughs> I have that dog saved on my phone. <laughs> so, what, nerd? I should... Terrible <laughs> meme. Anytime a Shiva Inu's wearing a hat, I'm going to like it. Okay. <laughs> but that's just the, there's no context. I don't like that fucking shitty non sequitur crap. Like, no, the context is a, is a dog wearing a cowboy hat and he's very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay it all makes sense now to be that's fair that's funny when you look in, in comparison to cash me outside and oh god that was so forced i don't know why that was a facebook meme it was it was garbage uh the guy pointing to his head like that took a good week before like anything good actually came of it but i don't know how it took off because it wasn't funny the reason that one took off is because it's applicable in very like a lot of scenarios if you don't do this this won't happen is this is the application and i for get that it meme. I just, I, it just, it's not funny enough. That's all well, I'm saying. To be fair, none of the Harambe memes were funny enough. Harambe was really great initially. The funniest thing about Harambe was that it wasn't funny and that made it funny. It went full circle. Okay. It's like, it was people freaking out about a dead gorilla. And then that was what was hilarious. It was a meme because it wasn't a meme, right? I, you know, I understand that aspect, but I'm saying at least in in the world of like internet meme like the deep like 4chan reddit shit like harambe had run its course three times over before the rest of the world discovered it it lived and died and then two months later facebook got a hold of it and then it lived for another six months and it was like we okay we did this whole thing already we did the harambe like i get what you're saying it was funny because it wasn't funny i guess exactly it yeah but that died before it got dragged into the dirt and then the dirt itself became funny it, it was a good time though, but 2016 was a good year for memes. Mm-hmm. And 2017 has been really weak. Uh, what was the other one? Help me here. What was January? Oh, Salt Bay. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, Salt Garbage. Bay was forced. That was another Facebook meme. Oh my gosh. I think my favorite meme from 2016 was that. Uh, I don't know if it reached much further outside of just like the specific subreddit, but there there just was this escalation. Of memes featuring that uh, that fish from Spongebob holding the hamburger. And it started out and the meme was when you're at a party and someone says that they're the best at Smash. And it's just him holding the hamburger and looking over just completely disgusted. Like, I can't believe you would say that <laughs> yeah. because clearly he was the best at Smash. And then it, it just took off from there. And it was just this huge, like, inter-memeing war. So, 2016 here. Are you looking at a breakdown of the 2016 memes? <laughs> Do you remember Dat Boy memes? That was so long ago. Yeah, that that kind of that kind of that was the takeoff for a lot of people for what meme culture was. Oh shit! What up? I do. I love Dat Boy. Beautiful moment in time. Um, I didn't like Arthur's fist. Arthur fist memes are still pretty funny. I think there are a few decent ones, but it was when it started getting really meta. Do you follow Chrissy Teigen on uh, Twitter? I do not. She's married to John Legend. I guess someone finally told her that John Legend looks like Arthur without his glasses. 
and he totally does. And then someone photoshopped Arthur's fist onto a picture of John Legend wearing a yellow sweater. And oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the kind of crap. But it gets deep like that. I it can like come. That. It can come back occasionally. I like that. <laughs> all right, blurry Mr. Krabs. Talk about applicable in all situations. Well, see, the thing is, is that was just one of the many offshoots of just bikini bottom memes. Because that's a that's a meme economy in and of itself. Like that is the that is the California of the memes United States. You know, it's got a huge GDP. It's got many returns because everyone remembers SpongeBob and it's hilarious in almost any scenario. Kind of yeah. like the the meme of just SpongeBob at the stand and then he puts out a different sign and there's all those people. That's so mimetic. You can put anything on that sign. That's classic. Uh, do you remember the Bone Apple Tea slash Bone App the Teeth meme? Yeah, that was a bit popular on Twitter for a second there. I, I like that just because that's like. That wasn't forced. That was people literally just searching. No, it, it was it was forced after about four of those. Well, they all do. It's cyclical. It's like it's like the all of garden, you know, like that's it's becomes like, oh, I found this funny thing. And then everyone else is like, I'm going to make this this tweet. And no one's going to know that I'm I'm doing this. Then other people are going to find it. Be like, this guy did a dumb thing. Like, no, they did it on purpose. All right. What about Obama Biden? That was such a great week. Oh, the the, Bi- the Biden memes were, were so bad after a day. But dude, no, it was like a solid week of really great quality content. No, it was not a week. It was just a lot of people that were upset about Trump winning. And then they're like, we need to, we need to hold on to Biden. This weird, creepy man that touches women. He is our hope. <laughs> what about Gavin, the little boy with the fucking, the, the most emotive expressions, the, the, the disgust, the fear. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe. I don't think so. The only one that I can even think of re- remotely is that magi- that fat magician kid with the thick glasses. No. You've seen this guy. Ah, oh, man. I wish I could send it to you right now. You've seen this guy. Uh, Evil Kermit. I'm on the fence on this one. Evil Kermit was hot for a good while. I was never a big fan. It got run into the, ch- uh, the ground. For I sure. appreciate it because of how applicable it is. And that made it because it's just a picture and then you put te- whatever text you want it became really big on twitter which i saw it a lot on twitter and then yeah. i saw a lot of people taking tearing it down which then made that funnier ted cruz is a serial killer that wasn't that was a fun week that was a fun one too yeah you know what else you know else one i didn't like at all i did not like the repeating going down and like drawing it shittier and shittier in ms paint and then adding words didn't like that one really that, that, i saw a couple of good ones that like that it only works as a forced teardown of like specific memes and has to be done well. Otherwise it's just like, Oh, here's two things or here's a picture and describing it. And then like, it's not as applicable. It's only good in the context of other memes. Uh, what was the, uh, not the, it wasn't the Harlem shake. It was the mannequin challenge in that same vein. Yeah. The mannequin challenge. That's not a meme. That's like saying the, the ALS ice bucket challenge is a meme. That's not a meme. That's true. That's right. It's a video trend. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, what about uh, conceited? The fellow looking sideways with his his lips all uh, puckered up. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That that that's one of those really versatile memes you can use anywhere. Okay, one of my favorite ones that really didn't take off like main. It didn't go mainstream. This was was kind of a a Reddit thing, kind of a a low key. I saw a lot of it in the video game world. More crusade, Bring it back, cr- crusade memes. <laughs> No, okay, Crusade memes took the fuck off after we named our podcast, and I was like, "Why is this happening?" And you're yeah. like, "Crusade memes are always relevant." Yeah, I mean, they're they were like they're they're starting off pretty mellow, and they got hot 
pretty quick. But I think the main support behind that was because trebuchet memes were real hot for a second there too. How specific trebuchet memes? Dude, I mean, for some reason it became this mimetic thing where, you know, you throw just throw it in like you're talking and then like, well, doesn't beat that the trebuchet can shoot a 300 kilogram projectile 90 meters or whatever it is, 90 kilogram projectile 300 meters. Right. This is dropping specific knowledge about it being the best medieval siege warfare <laughs> weapon ever made. The one that I, I was about to, I was about to name. And I'm trying to think now, now that I've, I've been thinking about it a second. I had a really good one that I never sent to you. I have to go. I've deleted all my pictures on my phone. So I'm going to have to go back in my backup of my computer and look through this. Because I really want to send it to you. I don't know why I never did. I feel like it was because we had never shared any of these memes together. So I just felt like ah, this is one of those memes that Nick's not privy to. Or it's not big enough. That's not going to be it's like too, too, too niche to find funny. So I didn't send it to you. But it's the don't talk to me or my son ever again. Oh yeah. Those ones are. Those ones. They're kind of hit and miss too. I. I. I Made my own Yu-Gi-Oh one. Well, I didn't make my own. I found two pictures that were perfectly related. Of Yu-Gi-Oh. I got, uh, a, yeah, a total kick out of it. It was, um, it wasn't, I'm gonna have to go look for it now. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Yu-Gi-Oh related. And I remember just thinking to myself, don't talk to me in my son ever again. And I saved it. And I just never sent it to anybody. But that was great. Like the, the Yoshi, the weird Yoshi costumes. <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. Pepe took off again in 2017 or 2016. Yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yo, confused math lady. Good meme. Yeah. I mean, that was basically just a redux of the uh, the series of screenshots or the gif of um, Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover. Right. That was used as a reaction meme for a while there, too. But the confused, confused math lady is funnier because it looks like it's from a, a bad commercial. The quality is exactly. worse, which makes it funnier. Right. Uh, Ken Bone was garbage. That was a bad 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't a meme either. That was just like a flash in the pan kind of hilarity thing. It was fucking Steve Harvey wasn't a meme. He was an idiot for a second. Ken Bone wasn't a meme. He was just funny at a, a debate. That's true. What about the haven't heard that name in years meme? I don't know if that ever got like enough steam behind it to be a meme. Like it was just, it's kind of just been an internet joke for a long time. I guess I just, ne- I just never saw the concentration. I never saw that spike in popularity. I feel like it was like the end of summer. I remember my favorite one was uh, some homeless guy with his shirt over his head that said, the great Cornholio, haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> and I was like, that's good. That's, that's good. good. I like that. Beavis and Butthead jokes are always good in my book. Right. Some deep cuts. Uh, we've been talking about memes for 10 minutes. Uh, uh, oh, dude, Primitive SpongeBob. Like you said, the SpongeBob memes are like, so still going strong. They're so good. The prim- primitive. Uh, oh, oh my God. How come I forgot about this? Get you a man who can do both. That was nice. Get you, yeah, get you a man who can do both. That's I put that in the same category as uh, I haven't heard that name in years. It seemed like it never really reached that that peak kind of phenomenon that I I, I think of when I think of a hot spicy meme. I see. I saw it a lot on Twitter and especially basketball Twitter, which is the best Twitter. Sports Twitter is good. Basketball Twitter specifically, great Twitter. I saw it a lot on there. I don't know. I've seen so many good things from football Twitter. I feel like all the good football tweets are all from basketball writers. Like it's still basketball Twitter talking about football. <laughs> like, Fair enough. There's a lot of cross pollination there. Speaking of cross pollination, 2016 is huge for B movie memes. B movie, yeah. I know you're a B movie guy. I'm a fan. I, I saw it in theater. Uh, no, you did not. I'm pretty sure I saw it in my head. No, you with who? Probably you John. <laughs> no, you guys <laughs> went to B movie together. I mean, we saw we saw what? Over the Hedge together too. <laughs> okay, Over the Hedge is like. Over the Hedge is great. 
Over the Edge is about as good as B-movie. I hate to break it to you. Wow. Ooh. What's his name in Over the Hedge who plays... Was it Bruce Willis was the raccoon? Yeah, Bruce Willis was the raccoon. I think it's weird that that was a Dreamcast... Or Dreamcast. Dreamworks. Uh, Dreamworks. Dream, it's a Dreamcast game. It was a Dreamcast movie about a... a uh, like a newspaper comic strip. What's up with that? It's weird, right? It's like if they randomly did like a high and lowest Pixar movie. <laughs> I feel like everything DreamWorks does. What have they done recently? Like they did, okay, DreamWorks does Shrek. Yeah, recently. Like <laughs> two good Shrek movies, but they keep pumping those out. I don't think they really have. They haven't done like a mainline Shrek movie in a long time. Did they do Ice Age? They keep pumping those out too. They did Ice Age. And those are still coming. I thought there was only three of those. I feel like there are like five of them. I, I'm I'm not informed. That's okay. We're gonna get back to video games though. We just I don't know how long we just spent talking about memes, but it was good. You know why? Because memes are good and memes are great. That B movie meme though was real funny. There was a guy who live streamed him typing out the B movie script on a typewriter on Twitch, and that's hilarious to me that it got to that point that humanity is so stupid and self referential. I'm baffled that it got to the point where probably thousands of people watched a man type on a typewriter the B movie script. I, I love how stupid that is. That's the kind of shit I can get into. That's so fucking absurd. It's beautiful. How did it get to that point? <laughs> we humans don't deserve this planet. All right. We don't deserve what's been I just it hasn't I'm, been I, a good plague. I'm done with this. Time. That's what I'm saying. All right. When's Jesus coming back? Because B movie memes. Come on. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. <laughs> We're done here. Here's something I want to get to when it comes to the Switch. All right. What are my concerns? Not at all related to the B movie. Did you see the guy who was complaining about his external battery, his Switch actually dying, plugged into external battery? It did not gain a charge whatsoever. It just died slower. Yeah. That was that was a that was an eventuality that I foresaw. And I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about this, that it needs to have the right output, right? That the battery has to be a certain type of battery to output at that speed to have a, a net gain on the switch console itself. Right. It needs like something like 16 Watts, which if you're looking at the voltage, the voltage and the amperage has to, has to meet certain minimum requirements in order to output that much. Right. So that's going to be, that's going to be the thing is that most, uh, Battery packs, if they are capable of charging a tablet, that's 2.1 amps. And most of the time they're outputting it like five volts. So that's like 10 watts. And in order for the switch to have for it to charge faster than it's being depleted, depends on the game too, but it's going to need about 15 to 16 watts. So do we know is our battery that's going to be capable and compatible with what we need it to do with the switch? Do we know we're we going to have to just, I do not know. Okay. The thing is, it's going to have to be basically a, unless Nintendo or some other, you know, some third party company works with Nintendo for a battery pack specifically for the Switch, it's going to have to be like a battery pack that's capable of powering the new MacBooks that use USB-C to charge. Right. It's going to be similar to that, that power consumption, I would assume. Although I guess, you know, worst case scenario, and I just actually bought myself a 10,000 milliamp hour external battery. Mm-hmm. I guess if your device just dies slower, I mean, a 10,000 milliamp hour battery, you're probably going to get several hours of extra gaming on that. Even if it's obviously it's not convenient to like play or to charge for 
X amount of hours and then come away without any extra battery to, you know, when you actually want to unhook and take it to go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're on the go and, and worst case scenario, like I said, is you're plugged in and you're extending that battery, even if you're not seeing a net gain on your overall charge, it works out that you're getting an extra five hours or whatever it might be. And if it's turned off or an idle or sleep or whatever, you're not playing it, it's going to charge really slow comparative to if you use the, uh, the wall plug that you get with the console itself or have it docked. Right. I would assume that that would charge the unit itself to completion in about three or four hours. But if used a underpowered power source, I could see that taking upwards to like 10 hours. Which is really not ideal. It's not going to feel good to be in that situation. Especially considering you're only getting three hours of battery on, on something like Zelda. And if you have it sh- like plugged in while you're playing, then that three hours is going to turn into like more like three and a half to f- like three, to f- like maybe four. Ugh. But that's, that's like a, that's a, a smaller use case. I would imagine. I don't know how many people are going to be playing Zelda specifically, primarily handheld or for what duration. Well, you know, based on, on the reviews, Zelda runs and looks better handheld. When you put on the TV and you bump up to 1080p resolution, you start getting frame drops, you start getting stutters, you get pop in. It's not 1080. When you're displaying at 1080. Right, but it's outputting at 900 and that's a, right. that's a fair distinction, I think. And I haven't heard or seen anything uh, that's really substantial to uh, <laughs> show the difference of... Uh, frame rate or pop in or what have you because we haven't seen footage from the switch unit itself right without it being docked because i don't think anybody has the the means to do so everything i've heard from anyone who's played it is that oh it's definitely noticeable downgrade but and i know for a lot of people it won't matter but that but for me really matters i i struggle playing a lot of console that Uh, but for me matters too (laughs) nice I, I struggle playing games at 30 frames a second, you know, even locked, steady, whatever. Like, you know, I know Nintendo doesn't make a habit of putting games that, it's, that run at 60, but pop-in is a big no-no. I'll play a game at 30 frames if I can, you know, if there's no pop-in. Like, that breaks immersion in every way. There, I, I can't deal with it. I can't do it, dude. So I, I might be playing Zelda strictly in the handheld mode exclusively like I, I i i'll try it on the tv but if i see popping but you know 100 feet out this is an open world game you're gonna be traveling for hours walking around right if you got fucking trees popping in and npcs which i doubt there'll be that many npcs but whatever i just boom it's, i can't i can't even speak right now just thinking about how irritated i will be if that's the case well i haven't heard anything about uh popping being a problem the only thing i've heard is that there's been minor hitches when there's like a lot of like when you move the camera down really low yeah, and there's a lot of like grass that it has to manually or has to occlude so you can still see yourself. Right. That's like the only thing I've really heard is as far as like a graphical fidelity complaint. You know, to be fair, the Wind Waker remake ran really poorly on the Wii U. That thing had drops, stutters, chops, you know, popping wasn't such a big deal. You know, dry distance wasn't an issue, but there are a few boss battles in particular I can remember. Uh, what was the one... Help me uh, remember the name. Uh, you're in the sand pit and the creature is underneath you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's some like mole something. I do. I can't. I don't there's remember. Been, there's been like a lot of Zelda bosses that use a very similar naming convention. Right. And they're all like the same thing. It's a, it's a sandworm. 
Yeah. Uh, that, that boss fight was notoriously unoptimized. And I actually remember playing through the game, having these issues and saying, this is really goddamn annoying. Especially when you're in an isolated area, like you're just, you're in a little cavern. Like it's not even rendering that intensive graphics, right? I'm not in this open world with these crazy dry distances trying to, you know, spawn and populate this island in front of me. Like I'm just in this room. Why is it doing this? I remember watching a, a speed run of it, of the, of the HD version. And the guy was saying how he's like this right here, this is killer. Like it's so hard to, to time things with the hitch or the hitches and the stutters. Like you, you cross your fingers, you hope for the best and hope it doesn't fuck up your run. I don't think it'll be the end of the world if, if we do have those issues, but if it's better on handheld, I'm just going to play it on handheld. Breath of the Wild, we haven't really talked about it too much on the podcast. I don't think we've talked about it too much in person either. I think the only times we've talked about it on the podcast, they ended up not being uh, uploaded. I think we talked about it a little bit last year. Oh, God. Did we? Pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about, oh, it's Jaggy. And I was like, I don't care. And you're like, Fidelity. Don't get me wrong. I think a game looks like fucking shit. Yeah, well. I mean, you think a lot of things look like shit. That's true. I am a graphics. I think whore. you look like shit. I I am not uh, nice to look at. You're you're definitely not optimized. No, th- that's why this is a an audio <laughs> podcast and not a video cast or simulcast of some kind because you do not want to look at me specifically. Yeah, it'd be rough. <laughs> uh, I feel bad that you have to do it right now. I wouldn't subject our three fans to that, or not our fans, our listeners. Big difference. Just plug your webcam into the wrong port again. I tell you, you what, freak the fuck out. Uh, I built a new computer. I've had so many fucking issues with this. See, thing. that's why this is the console crusade because computers are nothing but trouble. That's why, that's why neither of us play any video games on our computers ever. It's not the computer crusade. It's the console crusade. Oh man. Which is why we pre-ordered switches like big dummies. So we're going to waste $300 on a thing that isn't going to work till December. $300 plus pro controller, uh, plus charging grip, which Oh, speaking of charging grip, dude. Did you get a charging grip? I think the charging grip does have a battery. I don't think so, man. I, I don't I don't I don't know. I can't find any info about it, but I was watching a video and the guy was like, This is significantly heavier than than the base grip that you get with the with the unit. Like there's no way a USB port like causes that weight differential. It can't be just a USB port, right? Like it has to have something that's converting the signal to whatever the ports are that the Joy-Con have on like the bottom rail, you know, like that's how it charges when it's plugged into the, the console. I'm not an electrician. I don't know. Also, it could just be that it's like just denser plastic. Yeah, that's maybe. like the one, that's the one thing like people complain about, oh, it doesn't come with a pro controller. It doesn't come with a packing game. I, the one thing that kind of irks me is that the grip that comes with the console isn't the charging grip. Fucking ridiculous, right? But I do slightly understand it. How much money can I be saving them? Fucking cheapskates. Do you want to know why I slightly understand? It's not a money thing. Okay, why? Well, it is tangentially, but if you have the charging grip, the way you charge with the charging grip is the USB-C cord. The only time you need to charge with the charging grip is if you're playing while you're charging it. It's because your Joy-Cons died. Right. Which you will not be playing in tabletop mode with the charging grip charging and the switch not plugged into anything. That's like, that's a, that's the narrowest use case ever. So it'd have to come with two charging like AC adapters and those things are charging $30 for two. So it's like a double the cost kind of thing. I mean, that's a good point. And I don't, I don't foresee a time where my joy cons are going to die. 
not everyone's gonna have a pro controller. And so what if your your Joy Cons do die and your your switch is docked, but you want to continue playing, you don't have a pro controller. I understand that they say that you're gonna have twenty hours of battery life. Uh I will see if that's actually true, especially once if they have to pump up the, the milliwatts on that, that Bluetooth signal. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that if that if that really makes the battery life that much worse. And really twenty hours is better than any other current generation stuff that isn't made by nintendo that's true but the thing is is the controller ideally i'd plug my controller in every night when i'm done playing and it'll be charged up and i'll get at least a full day of gaming out of it if not more but it never works like that it's never you know no one is ever perfect about plugging their controllers in the battery life varies it's not like it's okay my ps4 controller is going to get a consistent eight hours like that's not the case and it always dies in the middle of a session or right as you go to play and it's like Shit, I got to plug it in and be tethered now. If you want to play on the TV and your joy, one Joy-Con happens to die or whatever, it's like, well, shit, my option is to either play it handheld or buy a third, uh, you know, uh, accessory. Or it's like, it's just, it's, it is inconvenient and there will be cases. However narrow, it just seems like. I think it's just a lot less inconvenient than if you were playing your PS4, your DualShock died and the only way to charge it was like a, a mounted thing. Like that isn't the only way to charge it, but like. If you're comparing apples to apples. Obviously, this won't be an issue for us because I intend to really never, ever play with a Joy-Con grip. That's going to be basically two-player only. I'll have my Pro Controller with me and I'll have the Joy-Cons. And I might. It depends. I'll probably end up getting um, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, obviously. Oh, yeah. And then I'm going to want to play with my mom. And then I'll, I'll let her use the Pro Controller and I'll use the, the Joy-Con with the grip. Why wouldn't you let her who, you know, she's got smaller hands. Why wouldn't you let her use the, I mean, I would just, I would just like see which one she wanted to use more. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Or even just use the, the two Joy-Con individually. I'm excited about that. Just to kind of see how it feels to be just kind of loose and hanging on my side. Yeah. Hey, you never even played Mario galaxy. That was the best thing about Mario galaxy, man. It was just like, you don't know how long there was like a month where I was just playing Mario and uh, galaxy one and two. And every day I'll just get up and I'll go sit on the couch and just like, you know, my PJs have some chips and salsa already. Just lean back. <laughs> this is lazy as could be. <laughs> just <Yeah. wah. laughs> Gotta get those star bits. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of any Wii games that I played where I could set. You know, the only thing, the only game I actually played was Smash Bros. And I tried doing the... You played that with a nunchuck? I tried, dude. It was a fucking travesty. <laughs> it was such garbage. That sounds terrible. Oh, yeah. It was, it was... You've got two buttons on each controller. It's not good. I appreciated the convenience of, like, not having my hands, you know, bound together in, in the middle here. So, we'll see how this works with the Switch. I'm excited to try it. You know, maybe play one hand above the head, you know? I get some weird positions. One hand down the pants. Yeah, why not? I want that HD rumble where it counts, Ooh. baby. <laughs> no, come on. Want that HD on your HD, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, dude, I know what you're saying. I've been dreaming about this. I've been wet dreaming about this, Dick, for weeks and months. Sound like you said this, Dick, and that's even funnier. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm coughing now, okay. boy. You dying? I hope not. Anyway, all right. External batteries, charging grips, these motherfuckers. Uh, I did not actually put a charging grip, but I will if there's a battery in there that will charge it without being tethered. Like if I can charge that external battery grip, carry it with me with a full charge, and I can. Boom. God, that sounds like that sounds like so many things to worry about being charged. Like, yeah. and like not really that bad, but still 
annoying. It's oh, is the switch charged? Oh, is the Joy-Con charged? Oh, is the grip charged? Uh, I don't it's know. it's a lot of shit. Uh, I was looking Yuck. at switch carrying cases last night, and w- there are a lot of them out there now. There yeah. are tons of them because I pre-ordered one. Yeah, a lot of them look really like pretty sleek too. All of them look great. Not like anything they did for the 3DS or the DS or the Game Boy. No. Game Boy had like this chintzy kind of quality that I appreciated. And now that I'm looking back on it, I'm nostalgic for. Right. But if they made something for that today, I'd be like, there's no way in fucking hell I'm buying this. Right. This especially, is hot trash. Especially for how much <laughs> they'd likely be asking for it. I, I like that there are variants on all of them, whether it's the PDP or the official Nintendo license stuff, or there's some other random third party stuff. Um, but they have like cool variants, which is like, you know, if you're into that, you want the Zelda or the Mario edition. Like, that's that's cool. But they all seem mm-hmm. really sturdy. They all hoard games. The Nintendo one fits the the Switch, a charge grip, in like five games. Like, that's cool. No extra room for the charger, though, which is a little irksome. I've seen several that are big enough to hold everything. Like, you can put the dock in there. You can put the charger in there. You can put a Joy-Con grip and, like, two other Joy-Cons in there. And it turns it into, like... Basically a small switch purse. No, I saw that. The, this one that was, it was like a, this little cube. Yeah. Everything, everything mounted in there and had little storage compartments and it was pretty sleek. Probably wouldn't get that. I want something that can fit into my current backpack. Did you, did you see the, uh, the Sheikah slate one that comes with the, I don't know if they're hard plastic or if they're rubberized, but they come with actual skins for your, the joy cons themselves. I think I have that pre-ordered. It's like blue, baby blue. Yeah, I think I have that pre-ordered. GameStop had like a bundle where you got the pro controller and the case and whatever extra you know, screen protector and whatever. Um, I don't know if it's canceled. I have emailed GameStop customer service like literally four times. Have gotten no response. Trust me, bud. You're paying. You're paying that money. <laughs> I well. Here's the deal. This is what happened for all y'all out there. Pro controllers were unavailable everywhere, right? Yeah, for a while. They finally went up on GameStop, but the. Just the $70 unit itself sold out. Couldn't get it. Well, they still had the bundle for like $110 that came with the case and all this other shit. I'm like, okay, I'll get all that and sell it or whatever. Okay. I already have a case and I don't care about the Zelda shit, whatever. So I ordered it and I, I distinctly remember getting redirected to the PayPal window, logging into PayPal. I remember the confirmation page distinctly. I distinctly remember this. And I said, cool. I've got I've got Pro Controller locked in, right? The first, whenever I order something, the first thing I do is I go to my email and I star that email, and so it's in my saved important whatever folder. Mm-hmm. Always, I waited and waited. I got no confirmation. So the next morning, I emailed GameStop customer service and said I did not receive a confirmation from my order. What's going on? I gave them my name, and they said, "Oh, there's nothing in here by that name." I'm like, "Okay, that's weird." I'm like, oh, crap, I don't go by EJ. I use my my full name. So I'm like, okay, so I gave them that name. Your Christian name. My Christian name, exactly. I said, can you look this up for me, please? Didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Uh, emailed them one more time. A week went by, didn't hear anything. Well, the Pro Controller standalone went up $70. So I ordered another one saying, well, maybe that last one didn't go through. I didn't get a confirmation. And they, they're not getting back to me. And it's not showing up in my PayPal. Right? Like normally it'll have a placeholder saying this money will be withdrawn uh, on release date. Nothing. I said, okay, I'll order another one. Well, that one went through. I went to the same setup, got the same confirmation page at the end. I'm like, okay, I definitely, now I was sure that I had seen the last order through to the end. I'm like, okay, I remember every single one of these pages at GameStop who I don't ever order from. So it wasn't like I was misremembering another time, right? Mm-hmm. I literally never order from this shitty company. 
was like, okay, I definitely went through all of this. I definitely ordered that last bundle. Okay. Went to my PayPal. The new transaction was pending. Okay. We'll withdraw on, on the 1st of March when it shipped or whatever. Okay. Where's that last one? What the hell happened? So I emailed GameStop again, requested that they cancel my order. They canceled this one, but couldn't pull up the old one. I don't know what the hell happened. Some part of me still thinks that I will definitely get charged $110 or whatever it was. And that bundle will show up on my doorstep a week after release. No, they're going to charge you that 180 and then they're not going to give you anything. And then you have to have to jump through a bunch of hoops. That's going to be an annoying pain in the dick. I fucking suck. Which is your fault for ever trying to give money to GameStop. That's true. But I, at the time, there were no options. It sold out everywhere. Wasn't available at Best Buy. Well, then it went up on Best Buy. You just wait until there's options. Just, just wait. It's better to wait an infinite amount of time than to give money to GameStop. Dude, the last three years. An infinite amount of time. Dude, the last three fucking years, all right, as a Nintendo fan, waiting... Well, to be fair, waiting has, has been a decent idea. Like the Amiibo craze. I can't tell you how much I paid right? for, for Villager and Marth. Uh, and now they're everywhere. But that was like a year and a half I would have had to wait. And I didn't want to wait. I wanted them now. I'm impatient. What, how did you benefit in any way in those 18 months of owning those things? I didn't. My Part of my reasoning was these may never get printed again. And Nintendo was being real coy about the whole fucking thing. Like these Amiibo might not get ever reprinted because then people will buy them at full price instead of the dollar bin at Best Buy where they all reside now. <sighs> the Amiibo. I just bought some Animal Crossing Amiibo after saying I wouldn't do that. I've been playing Animal Crossing again. They got real cheap too. And you've got the new 3DS so you actually have an NFC reader. Yeah. So you can actually get those villagers to move into your town which is kind of cool. I initially was going to buy all of the Animal Crossing figures. How many of them are there that are actually figures like 20? 12 ish. Some of them I wouldn't mind. Like I like the design of the, what the porcupine one. Can't remember her name. Maybe Maybelline. Maybe Mabel. 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 Yeah. Mabel. Mabel's tight. I and so. like blathers. I got blathers. And Tom, Tom Nooks Tom the Nook. shit. And the young, young Nooks. I got the, I or the young Nooks. The ones I didn't order. I didn't order. Maybe I did order kicks. The kicks guy. I, I don't remember now. Oh, and uh, what's her name? The assistant. She's cool too. There's uh, two iterations of her. There's a variant. Are there? Hmm. Summer and winter. That's cool. On Isabel. Isabel. That's her yeah. name. I couldn't think of her name. And then her sister Digby, mm. who runs the Happy Home Showcase. And then there's Blather's wife. Wife or sister. Sister. Little sister. The Red yeah, they're Owl. Not, they're not allowed to fuck an Animal Crossing. <laughs> no, that's, that's really not allowed. Not okay. <laughs> Their bedrooms have two beds. <laughs> I didn't order her, and I didn't order... Oh man, what's the other one? So people that I, I have never seen in my towns before. You should get the sheep clown. <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> Nintendo did not release any figures for, for actual villagers, only for... Do they have cards for them though? Yeah, oh, every villager has a card, hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, this playthrough I got stuck with some really shitty neighbors, but I'm afraid to let anyone move out because I have my, ha- uh, my, uh, my home on this little peninsula tucked away from everybody. And there's nobody living near me. Like literally they are on the opposite land mass. Can't you like, can't you force them out using the, uh, the amiibo thing? If you have a full town, you can now, Mm. uh, which I don't have a full town. That doesn't take too long though. That's like a, that's a week's worth of work. Hard work. That's a night of time traveling. No, that's still a week. I do a lot of time traveling. Well, I mean, if you want to spend like 10 or 12 hours playing that game, sure. But that's such little returns and it's so tedious and boring after maybe two hours of it. 
It's true. I, I do it. I do it for like an hour or two every night. Just like I'm just trying to spend my eight million that I got from my last town. Have you even got? Have you unlocked the island yet? Oh yeah, okay. but I haven't needed to. I, I sold my last town to, to to Tom Nook for eight eight and a half mil. It's so hard for me to remember how like the the scaling works in that game. That that doesn't really mean much to me. Um, basically, I am three upgrades away from having an entirely upgraded house, and I've got like two million left in my oh, bank. Man. That's pretty good return then. Yeah, all I've been doing is chopping trees down and uh, upgrading my house. Got to get that golden axe, man. I know that's what I've been trying to do. I buy my my sapling every day. I've got like fifteen of them. Only that, fucking thirty five to go. That axe degradation, it's rough. Yeah, you get about I don't know nine trees. Anyway. We're fucking off the rails here, but it wouldn't be a consecrated say podcast if we didn't totally get tangential and go, you know, talk about who the fuck knows what. There's got to be an Animal Crossing Direct, another one, when they finally do, like they announced the mobile game, which that's going to be, what, April, I think? Have they announced that? I believe so. It got pushed out of this uh, quarter into the next. I thought it was until next year. No, 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 no. You're getting that mixed up with a uh, uh, fractured but whole. <laughs> This we're just gonna push to the next quarter. Okay. So that means April, uh, May, or June. But it seems like I don't remember. I, th- I feel like I heard a rumor about it being specifically April, which would be nice sooner rather than later. Preferred. But I would hope that they would do something similar like they did with the Fire Emblem Direct, where they just drop the information in the direct. They release the mobile game and they have some sort of announcement for a Switch title. They they need to. I don't need to but i would like them to why why don't we have a switch game announced and in development like this thing should be a, a year away at the most we've got like so many switch games announced that are being developed you know here's the thing you've got the bones for a, a game new leaf is there you haven't iterated on this fucking game ever like newly was the biggest i think jump when it comes to to features how many of the other animal crossings did you even actually play though good point only the gamecube one i mean that's a that's three games before there's been four real animal crossing games yeah but they're all really for the most part the same like i said new leaf was the biggest departure wide world was the biggest departure really that added online functionality that's a big thing oh that's i guess not a departure like yeah they added something that's that's a a a logical next step right Uh, i think new leaf had the most new features that sort of changed the way you can play Without changing the game's sort of core formula. But I'm like, the bones are there for a game, and the the bones for an HD version, like you like you made that shitty Mario Party version, Amiibo Festival, like you've got the the HD assets, you've got the engine, like, I don't want to be playing Animal Crossing in 2020, man. This, this should be around the corner. And, and maybe it is, for all we know, but I think the update we got to, to New Leaf, I think signifies that we are nowhere near a Switch release, and that just fucking sucks. Logically, I could see there being a... Uh a spring 2018 release. That's not too far away. For an Animal Crossing game. That makes sense to me because they have this year kind of like set up as far as like big Switch releases. As far as Wii U ports. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, I'm saying like Splatoon 2 and Mario Odyssey and <laughs> Xenoblade 2 apparently is coming yeah, out this year. We'll see if that happens. Well, I mean, there are things that we don't have a date for that are ambiguously in the ether. You know, like uh, Shin Megami Tensei. Fire Emblem Switch, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of room to like juggle that stuff around, but it seems like Nintendo's big MO as far as titles are, are concerned is not letting there be a drought between them and kind of like staggering releases so that each like couple months you have something like hot and new to look forward to. Right. 
which makes total sense on their end. Yeah, it's totally fine. And I'm, I'm totally fine with because that gives me time to actually consume and play those games when they do come out. Right. No, I've got no issue with that sort of model. Like that makes more than enough sense. But the fact that they've been supposedly developing this machine for how long? And we're essentially, our biggest release is a game that was definitely developed for the Wii U and is totally finished now, Mario Odyssey. And then the rest are actual Wii U ports. Splatoon 2 is Splatoon. I doubt that about Mario. That's that's definitely the case for Zelda, but I doubt that for Mario. Well, obviously we have nothing substantial. All It's all insider rumblings, which you have to take with a grain of salt, I understand. But the reliable, or, or thus far reliable insiders have basically said that, that Mario Odyssey was developed for the Wii U. And it's totally ready for launch. I'm sure it started development, but I mean, Star Fox Zero started development on the Wii. That makes a lot of sense why it looks like fucking shit. I don't know, why haven't they patched in real controls into that game? Why? Because they'll do it on the Switch port. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> We're getting our third remake of, of uh, the 64 version on the Switch. The third remake. That'd be cool. I'd be fine with that. That's basically what Star Fox Zero was. Give us real controls. That game would have done fine. I mean, no. I mean, there's only been one remake and that was the 3DS one. Really great remake. I was playing it last week on my vacation. I don't think you ever played the original one, did you? Star Fox 64? Yeah, you don't play 64 games. That was like one of the few games that I actually really like. Is that one of the few games that you could... Well, I mean, it's a really easy pick up and play, so that, that makes sense for if you ever came over to my house and played it. Yeah, definitely played it over at your place. And in seventh grade, when I bought my N64, that was one of the first games I got. I got that, Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Stadium. That's the reason I'm a filthy weirdo that plays inverted. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm assuming. Was that what fucking it fucked you up, Nick? It fucked you up. Dude, invert, inverted makes total sense. I don't know why anyone plays not inverted. That is so foreign to me. When I press down, I want my camera to move down. Like that, that is logical. That makes sense. Yeah, but if you think about it, like the best way I've heard it explained is that say you have your hand on the back of somebody's head. How do you want them to look up? You pull back. God damn it. It's the same as like if you're flying a plane, which obviously I've flown many planes. Obviously. <laughs> but still, the only real world application where a joystick is used to control something is you pull back and you go up. So there's a reason that happens. That's true. But here's the thing. When I play anything that requires flying, I have to invert it. I have to do that. But when, but my regular camera controls, absolutely not. That, that's it, it just makes sense for me as far as camera controls. Do you remember in the N64 PlayStation 1 era, there were a lot of games that had inverted... Oh my god, I hate the inverted X-axis. Why? I hate that. It's so irritating. If I hold left, I want... Yeah, you see. You see my issue now. <laughs> but the camera moves left, which then moves right. Oh man. And then there are some games... I can't remember any of this off the top of my head. There, I think uh, Wind Waker actually had this where when you looked up, the camera moved in at the same time yep. and that fucked me up in all sorts of ways. I don't like it. It's, oh dude, it's rough. We have, a, we have a, sort of an established way of going about things. Why do anything different? There's a formula. It works. Stick to it. Obviously back in the N64 days, we didn't. We didn't have the buttons for it either. That's true. They really kind of established like the baseline for what stuff would do in the future, like Mario 64 and like Zelda and the way you use the C buttons as like a, a weird surrogate for a right stick. What would be a right stick revolutionary that changed everything about 3d games. There weren't 3d games that had camera controls before that. Right. Which is why I appreciate what the N64 did without necessarily having to appreciate what it is. 
It's uh, so hard to go back and play. And because you're a filthy hater who doesn't like old games. It's not true. I was actually just thinking about this when I was playing my NES Classic. Oh my gosh, let's get tangential. <laughs> I was thinking about you the other day. Just last night. Okay. Because I was talking shit about how bad those games are. <laughs> you were talking about how the NES fucking is, is terrible. I was playing it. I was playing Double Dragon. And I was thinking how when I first played it, you were there and you said, this game fucking sucks. And I said, Nick, you have to realize like this is 19 fucking 87 or whatever. You have to, you have to look at it through the lens of 1987 and what it was doing at the time. And then I was like, shit, I can't use that argument because I use the opposite <laughs> argument against games like Ocarina of Time. Shit. I've trapped myself here. Okay. And then I was thinking, you know what? The NES, you, it's, it is hard to go back and play a lot of those games because they don't hold up. Right. SNES, the best games on the Super Nintendo are still the most refined, perfect versions of a lot of these genres and a lot of these kinds of games. Like like Super Mario World is the perfect platformer. It has not been improved since in any meaningful right. way. And that's why the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy Advance, you go back and play it. It's the pinnacle of that that style. Not not just the aesthetic, but also the capabilities of the machine. You can't improve upon that that's why the best uh playstation games are just things that they wish they could do on the super nintendo right like symphony of the night if they could get that to run on super nintendo would be a super nintendo game but it's just got voice acting and bad voice acting and that kind of cool effects but that's a super nintendo game yeah that's why 3d games i don't think it didn't hit their stride stri- till ps2 era 90, i would say and even PS3, then it was rough. Yeah, i would say P- honestly it was ps3 xbox 360 that they like because it takes a while to figure out the medium. We figure out how to fucking do it, right? Well, there's like a formula and then there's like the deeper, like the roots, right? You know, like how we know how to, to write a story. Now people have been telling stories for hundreds of years and there's a way you do it. That makes the most sense as a reader. Right. So it makes sense that games would have a similar formula. You know, movies have been being made for like 90 years. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a formula for movies now. There's now a formula for TV and games are a very new thing. So it makes sense that, you know, 3D games have been a thing for 20 years now. And that's kind of wild to think about that we were in the the burgeoning of that. And we got the tail end of like the glory days of of 2D gaming. That's why the Super Nintendo is the best console of all time. Straight up. Because it has the best games because it is the pinnacle of that format. Mm-hmm. And any 2, 2D game now is just hearkening back to things we learned over 20 years ago. Right. And that's just, that's crazy. Super Mario World was a launch title on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, that's crazy. It was a pack-in. That's crazy. 91. Totally wild, man. And that's why I think the N64 didn't hold up at all, is because they were trying to figure it out. The N64 is the, like, the Atari of 3D games. Totally. Like, you can't go back and play an Atari and actually appreciate it without that nostalgia. Like, you can't go back and say, oh, I'm having a fun time playing the original Pitfall. No, you're fucking not. Without the, <laughs> without the nostalgia, without the rose-colored glasses, no, you're fucking not. But a total newbie, like my little brother, who's eight years old, can go pick up and play Super Mario World, and it's the best game he's ever played. Whereas if he went and, you know, was trying to play, like, the original Legend of Zelda, mm, that's fucking rough. If you don't have the nostalgia, that's a rough time. It's hard to go back. So a lot of the games on Super Nintendo really hold up today to, you know, modern sensibilities. And so that's why I appreciate that console so much. And again, same with the Game Boy Advance, which is just a perfected Super Nintendo in a lot of ways. Not without its limitations, but... And that's why that's that's why I understand the, the hype behind VR, because that's the closest thing we're ever going to get to another big breakthrough 
right between like the jump from 2d to 3d there's never going to be another big not that i can think of at least that immerses you're never going to have that that jump in fidelity that you get from actually rendering something versus just the pixel aspect of like the sprites and stuff so that's why i get why people would be hyped about vr even though it's not necessarily going to be analogous you know i thought about that i was watching a evolution of playstation graphics video and i was thinking about that how man Games don't look much better from the PS2. Honestly, I was looking at game uh, God of War footage, and I was looking at uh, Yakuza Zero footage. I'm like, like, yeah, there's a difference, but this really isn't that meaningful. I feel like I've been telling you, man. I've been telling you we're not going to get a jump that we got from PS2 to PS3. That's going to be the last time there was a big jump, and even then, that wasn't that big of a jump. But I feel like we have so far to go when we're talking about you know the current 3D graphics. It's all going to be physics based stuff in the future. Some of these games I'm looking, I'm like, we're going to hit photorealism at some point. And I mean, to the point where not, not like my dad walk, walking in and watching NBA 2K and saying, holy shit, I thought this was a real game. I'm talking about you and I, people who've been playing video games for decades. We are going to look and say, I can't believe that's a video game. Like we, there's still room to get to that point. I mean, I think we're, we're still probably two decades away from that, right? I don't think we're going to reach photorealism. I think that we're going to reach a point where it's going to be indistinguishable from a pre-rendered like movie, but we're not going to get anything like photorealistic. So we don't even have movies that do that. You don't think? They have you know hundreds and hundreds of supercomputers rendering for years. You don't think in, in two decades that the radar technology is, is what is it, every six months of technology doubles? No, we're not going to get there. Damn. That, talk about hot take. Not in two decades. No. Well, shit. Taking the wind out of my sails. Maybe in like 50 years, and even then it won't be consumer grade. Holy shit. Obviously, just wild speculation here. Totally uninformed on both of our parts. Mark your calendars. I'm, I'm telling 50 you, 50 years. years, photorealism, no, no. Damn. When it comes to movies, we, we are getting so much closer. I know you thought Tarkin looked like shit. Oh, he did. He really did. Even Leia looked like shit. Leia, I think, was a little rougher. And that was a short shot, too. I thought Tarkin was masterfully pulled off. Tarkin looked like he was out of the Clone Wars. Come on. It was not that egregious. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Like, I feel like you noticed that it was CG and that's all you focused on. That's what the brain does. It notices when things don't belong. That is the number one thing it does. As a visual medium, you know that doesn't fit in. That's wrong. And then you fucking focus on it, which is why they shouldn't have made like 30 scenes where he's the number one thing in focus. Dude, I thought it was brilliant. I, sa- I said to myself, okay, it's obviously CG and there are, there are a couple of parts that are a little bit wonky, but this is an insane leap forward when it comes to movie making magic. This technology in 10 years, and I know it sparked a debate, like, are we going to start replacing actors and what does this mean for, you know, uh, resurrecting deceased actors and whatever. It's like, that's amazing. In 10 years, that Tarkin, like look at 10 years ago. What is, is 2017? Look at 2007. What was coming out in 2007? Avatar was in the making. Right. Avatar was 09? 09. Yeah. Late 09. And that game, that, or that movie, technologically, that, that was, that was something. But 2007, I'm trying to think of some of the blockbuster releases at that time. So 07, well, even looking at like, look at the early 2000s, the Phantom Menace was, sort of ushered us into this new age of, of, of movie making technology. Yeah. And I think it would have happened anyway, but it, it really fit in, in a space fantasy like star Wars. Sure. Just look at what's happened in the last 10 years, last 20 years in another 10 years, that Tarkin technology is going to be f- unreal. Yeah. And then also in 10 years, people are going to look back and we'll ask ourselves, how did we ever think that was impressive? Sure. It'll be a time capsule of our, 
for hubris. You know, there's a really, it's kind of sort of an interesting thing. I wouldn't mind getting into not on this podcast, but I go back and I've watched evolution of visual effects. Uh, there are a couple of film channels on YouTube that I follow and, and they've done some different things. And it's really interesting to go back to like the early 1900s and seeing how they pulled off some of these. Obviously the effects don't hold up. When I put myself in like that, that, that headspace and that time frame, where I'm like in 1914, how the fuck are they compositing this sort of thing and doing these effects? Or even the the one thing I think of is it was a black and white movie for Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Right. And the way they used makeup and shining different colored lights that completely changed the way this person looked. Stuff like that is really, really amazing to me. Totally. And it, I appreciate that more than somebody clicking away at a computer, even though objectively it's more work and it looks better if you do it on a computer. Right. Something tangible about like, so, like someone handcrafted it. I, I get it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Or seeing how Kubrick did the, uh, the weird psychedelic scenes in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right. Like that was all like manual. Did this like weird thing with paintings and like moving a camera and like doing this weird like shifting of the oh dude it's crazy i saw a guy who tried to reenact how he did it and do it himself it was crazy it was really cool it's easy to take for granted what we do now and i would argue that it's it is infinitely more difficult and you have to be exponentially more like skilled to to do these things on a computer but because we see this every day in our everyday lives like we're using these supercomputers in our hands every day we are playing these video games that are doing these things so when you see it on screen well whatever that's no big deal but it's like no, this is this right now. We're at this pinnacle of like movie making technology. Remember when Terminator came out? Not not remember because we weren't alive then. But going back and looking at Terminator and hearing about like uh, like T two with the Liquid Man, whatever the fuck his name mm-hmm. was, that was like fucking mind blowing. That shook the entertainment industry. People were like, I, I can't believe like that. That's this isn't real, right? We, we've lost sort of that magic, sort of that mysticism surrounding it, you know? Because it's ah, it's just it's just computers. It's all. It's just computers. But we are getting that with with video games, with how they're approaching realism and just how good like games like Uncharted or Horizon are looking, or the facial capture stuff that Kojima is doing with like Death Stranding. And I think that's important and that's really cool. Movies that are made with like stop motion are still really cool and look really great to me. I st- I haven't seen Kubo, but seeing that animation style like it brought joy to my heart. Like it wasn't some photorealistic. It wasn't some high quality like pixar disney animation is just some paper dolls basically right graphics are not the end all be all if i had to sacrifice one thing in a game that'd be the first thing that i would sacrifice really yeah if you took like a full a full experience and you're like you can sacrifice one thing to keep everything else great would you rather play uncharted or mario world (laughs) see that's different though that's totally different it's different because they're different styles of games but it's I think it's sort of relevant in that the gameplay is the main thing you're playing with Mario. Not playing Mario for the story. No. Or for the graphics, really. I think Super Mario World would be a lot less great if it had uh, uh, Mario Bros. graphics. Really? I think it'd be just as good. Again, Super Mario World is like the pinnacle of 16-bit graphics. Obviously, it's a different aesthetic. Like, Like, there are more beautiful games. But I'm saying, as far as like that aesthetic, you haven't seen anything better. I would even say that uh, Mario World 2 looks better. I don't know. They had that had a really weird hand-drawn aesthetic. Yeah. That I, I wasn't particularly a fan of. See, you know, the, you know what? I actually uh, learned something recently that that aesthetic was a sort of like a fuck you 
to the higher ups because they were telling Miyamoto that they had to make it look like the the, the pre rendered graphics that like Donkey Kong Country was using. Oh right. And he's like, no, this this won't look good. And you still see it in like cutscenes when you die, you're carried away by these like the flying Koopas with the weird spinning glasses. But those are like the pre rendered like claymation looking shit. And it's so jarring and it looks bad. You're like, okay, I'm glad that they went with the the crayon style. Wait, does it look bad? Is it just because of the juxtaposition against... It looks bad because of the juxtaposition. I personally am okay with and I'm a fan of the Donkey Kong Country style pre-rendered graphics. The pre-rendered graphics are beautiful. Yeah, the Mario uh, RPG graphics look good. It doesn't always yeah. look good, like specifically Clay Fighter. But I think that kind of looks bad on purpose in a way. But I, I, I still like Clay Fighter looks better than Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat looks like ass. <laughs> Mortal Kombat is historically looked like shit. They didn't have a good looking Mortal Kombat game until like MKX. Like the 360 games like still look like shit for their era. Yeah. I don't know. That's just it's sort of the charm of, of Mortal Kombat. The Mortal Kombat versus DC was okay. I actually didn't play that one. I think the last Mortal Kombat I played before before MKX was on the uh, was Deadly Alliance. I want to say on the play, PS2. Was that the one before Armageddon? Like right before? I, I might be talking out of my ass right now. Got it on my shelf. I could go look. That's a lot of work. They're even studio now. So yeah, I don't know. Graphics. It's graphics. is So like, it's a, it's a weird ambiguous kind of thing. But the first thing anyone that I've talked to says when they're complaining about the switch is like, Oh, why didn't they make it a real console? Why it's not going to be powerful enough to play as third party titles. And like, yeah, that's kind of the, the landscape of video games, but it also, there's been this like huge, huge upsurge in indie titles that are like relevant, you know, people talk about games like Stardew Valley and Shovel Knight, and those are by no means graphical powerhouses. Indie games are going to be smaller, obviously. So they're going to, the one thing they're not going to pour as much into is making a game look photorealistic and spending the hundreds and hundreds of man hours in Blender and Maya to make a game look beautiful in that way. I agree with you to a point. Yeah. You look at Shovel Knight. That doesn't have these insane 3d graphics, whatever, but like, Look at the art style. That right there, like that's as good as that aesthetic can be. Yeah, and that's a lot less work than sculpting Nathan Drake's face. I would I would disagree with that. I think hand drawn sprites and and um and I don't know maybe, maybe you're right, but I feel like that's it, a lot more work going frame by frame and, and hand drawing sprites. That fact gets thrown around a lot, but I'd, I've yet to see the the evidence behind it. For something like Shovel Knight, that's a sixteen by sixteen sprite. There's not a lot of work being put into that. Yes, it looks beautiful. Yes, it's lovingly made, but there's not as much work as rendering a huge 3D model like in a AAA PS4 game. Well, to be fair, the computer's doing most of the work on that 3D model. But there's, that's still a multiple hundred person studio working on that game. The thing about the graphics and saying, oh, that's the first thing that would go, there are different levels to it because if you, a 16-bit inspired game is different than something like Uncharted. But Uncharted, if, if they released Uncharted 4 and it had PS2 graphics, it doesn't matter how good that game was, that game fails. To me, because we've sort of hit the ceiling as far as gameplay, like there's only so much you can do to improve what we already have. Now it comes down to story, characters, graphics, like things that you can continue to improve on and make quality. Yeah, but the gameplay in Uncharted isn't that compelling to me. And why would I play that game if the gameplay isn't good? If that, if I could get that same experience, but in a movie, I would probably rather watch the movie. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree with that, you know, but we don't need to get into the piss off uncharted fans yeah well i mean i'm just i'm just using that as like an example of a game that looks really good and i'm praising that game for being a very good looking game but i'm saying that there's that's diminishing returns 
And we've reached a point where for me personally, I would be fine with GameCube level graphics if it meant the gameplay was fantastic. And if it was something new and like approached uh, in in a different way, graphics are not the thing that sells me on a game. Well, the thing is, is those things aren't mutually exclusive. Like you don't need, you know, you could have a game with beautiful graphics and also compelling gameplay. Like, like, do you want to play a game like Dark Souls? Do you just want that to be the same looking game for the next 10 years? I would be fine if the game looked the same if it was on the Switch. That'd be cool. Well, it, it wouldn't look the same, but I'm saying... I, I think it, it probably could because there wasn't a huge jump between Dark Souls 3 and Dark Souls... Between Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 2 came out on Xbox 360, which the Switch could run. Well, we'll see. We will see. Look at the games we're playing now. They're the same games we were playing, we've been playing for 10 years. They haven't changed. They haven't improved. They've just sort of become refined. What haven't we discovered? So there's the only area left to improve is making it, however incremental it might be, is making your games just look better and look better and look better. And I don't think there needs to be a trade-off between quality of game and graphics, but I do think there's an issue with taking a step back graphically. I think there's a huge issue there. And obviously, you don't need good graphics to make a good game, but there are a lot of games that honestly I wouldn't have played if it weren't for the graphics. But it's part of the immersion of a video game. And that's the difference between something like Super Mario World. Like you don't get immersed in Super Mario World. All right? You don't get lost in Super Mario World. It's a different kind of game. Yeah, and there's there's been no game that I played for the graphics. And I, that's why I would not buy a PS4 to play Uncharted because I know for a fact that that gameplay would bore the shit out of me. Yeah, they're not compelling games. And I don't really care about the story because there's been no video game where the story was like, wow, I am moved by this story. I've been moved by video games. I legitimately like teared up after beating Hyperlight Drifter because it moved me, but not because the story. It was because of the connection I felt with the character and not in the story was sense, but because of the visual and audio that was presented to me, like with these cutscenes. The more I learn about you, man, the more it's like I have never spoken to anyone quite like you. That's so weird to me. Like you had this connection with the character. But not having anything to do with the character or the story. Well, there's a there's a marked difference between character and story, and even narrative and writing. Like those are all separate things that kind of they converge, they coalesce into and make a thing. <laughs> right. That's that's interesting because I'm totally opposite. It's like I want a compelling story with interesting characters. And it wasn't even really the the character. It was more like the I don't know what it was. That was an enigmatic game wrapped in mystery. Surrounded by what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it seems so weird to me being moved by something on an uh, an emotional level. And I got that almost kind of Twilight Princess-ish. Like, I thought that was a good... It wasn't a good story, but it had a lot of, like, emotional aspects to it that I appreciated. Right. It's Dude, it's it's just tough. It's weird. So, when 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 it comes to the graphics, it's hard for me to go back and play games like Final Fantasy where the graphics are so bad, I can't immerse myself in that world at all. I just cannot get into that headspace. So I get what you're saying is you don't need these impressive graphics, but something like Skyrim, like I can't go back and play like Morrowind and immerse myself in that world because it just, it looks fucking fake to me. So I can't, I can't get lost in it the same way. I'm constantly just looking at it as if it's a video game and not as if it's this story that I am like a part of, right? But I know there are, there are a lot of people that found Morrowind and Oblivion more immersive because of their storytelling than the graphics. That's why there are mods to Skyrim to make it just Morrowind, but it looks like Skyrim, right? So like there are people who do 
not necessarily side with me because I've never been drawn to the Elder Scrolls games in any sense, but there are people who would take that gameplay and storytelling style over the way Skyrim has it. And there are people I've seen a really funny screenshot that was comparing fallouts one, two, three, New Vegas and four. Right. And like the, the dialogue options have just been dumbed down to like, yes or no. Whereas before it was like you had different responses based on your care, your charisma stat or your intelligence stat. And it was really in depth and people felt immersed by that. But now the immersion is that your character has voice acting and that narrows down what they can do exponentially. So it's just this like weird offshoot where people are, are being more wowed and titillated by the production value versus the gameplay elements that people were enamored with beforehand. It was more like a D&D campaign that you got to see some of right. as opposed to a movie that you got to play some of. Well, it's, and that's totally fair. But my point is like you can't go backwards or it's really hard to go backwards. Well, I don't think it's backwards. I think it's just, it's sideways. I think that there's the room to have both. And unless you want only Uncharted's, then you're going to have indie games that look worse. And I, I those are the type of games I would rather play. I wouldn't say look worse. say look different. Well, Big for difference. you, they would look worse. No, that, that, not at all. I mean, that's what you're saying. Like, unless they, they look amazing and they look beautiful and they have all these hundreds of man hours, you know, Skyrim versus Morrowind, you know? No, I'm saying like, like if the Elder Scrolls 6 came out and it looked like Morrowind, that's a total deal breaker. Doesn't matter how good the gameplay is, you can't take a step backwards like that. You have to keep pushing forward. But saying comparing an indie game to a AAA game, a 2D game versus a 3D polygon based game, like that, that that's apples and oranges. What I'm saying is, uh, what was that game that just came out with the tiger? Um, oh god, the, the acid flip year of Black Tiger made headlines for just being the fucking worst game of all time. That's sold on the fucking PlayStation market as a game. Released in 2017, okay? You know, obviously that, that's a total shit game. The gameplay sucks and there's nothing to it and it looks like crap. In 2017, you can't release a game that looks like that. You can't do it and be taken seriously. Like, that's that's the first thing that you take into account when when immersing yourself in a game. And obviously we do we do that very differently. You're not into open world games and, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast, I think. But for me and for a lot of other people, obviously, who are complaining about these things is a certain level of graphical fidelity is not achieved. I think you're completely missing what I'm trying to say, though, is because what I'm trying to say is people are saying on the Switch, which is what I've been talking about, and you haven't been. I guess I've been talking a little more generally. You're talking in like this weird, broad, open, you're talking 2D versus 3D. But what I'm saying is you're not going to see Final Fantasy 15 or Mass Effect Andromeda or all these like, you know, groundbreaking, visually appealing games on a system like the Switch. And I'm okay with that. Because those games are not sold to me based on their beauty and their visual fidelity. But that's something that people look for in a AAA title. And I don't look at AAA titles, generally speaking, as games that I'm like looking forward to to play. And I'm fine with that now because there's been an upsurgence in indie titles that are not as visually appealing, but have the gameplay that I am seeking out. And we've seen that in the past 10 years where the, the, the middle ground has fallen out, you know, THQ and Midway and these like kind of shuffling out games that nobody really cared about. And we've seen the uprise of like EA and Bethesda and Ubisoft and 2K as these powerhouse titans that spend years and years and hundreds of man hours making these games where that's not physically possible for a small studio to do. Sure. So there's now this like huge gap between big games and little games. And I think more and more people are going to be playing those little games and that's going to become a more reasonable like selling point. 
The Switch being an indie machine is okay now. The Vita was almost there, but it probably wasn't as strong as it needed to be to be compelling to play enough of those games. And it ended up being a lot of just like visual novels. Sure. Which some people are fine with, but that's like not my cup of tea. I don't really give a shit. I'm not going to play Danganronpa, whatever the fuck that is. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't. <laughs> the, the Switch, there is no way the Switch will be successful on the back of indie games. And again, we get into the hypotheticals of like... I'm just saying I wish it, it could. And I'm going to be fine with it if that's all it does. If it's just Nintendo games and indie games, that's all I play anyway. That's why I think that we use the fucking best console I've played in the last seven years. But there's not enough indie titles on it. Because there's no one, no one wants to put up with the bullshit of having to deal with that architecture. All the good indie titles are on the Wii U. The two? Well, that, that is going to be, like we've talked about before, that's going to be a huge plus for the, the Switch. Is that it's going to have tons of indie games, mostly just because of ease of development. If it comes to any other platform, it can come to the Switch relatively easily. That'll be good. It's not selling units. It'll be a great way to supplement the people who are supporting Nintendo. And it's good that Nintendo has reached out to indie developers and they're supporting, even if they're Nindies or whatever. Like, that's great that they should be doing that. But again, that's not selling systems. That's just, it's just placating those of us who are dumb enough to give them all of our money on launch. Like the Wii, we supported the, I supported the Wii for uh, four plus years now. I don't feel like I got screwed because like I said, you know, I got, I got, I got Zelda. I got Mario Kart. I got Smash. That's all I ever need from a Nintendo console realistically for me. But if I were a, a hardcore, quote unquote, hardcore gamer, right? And this, my life was my fucking Wii U. I would feel totally burned by Nintendo because the way they handled the whole situation and the, the lack of support and the switchuation, the switchuation. <laughs> like I get it. The Indies will be a huge plus for those uh, those of us who are supporting and who are totally hardcore and who make the Switch their main console. Like that's that's going to be great. Yeah, and I was going to ask uh, you. You're talking about graphics fidelity being super important to you. We've known for a while the Switch was not going to be anywhere near the PS4 or the Xbox one, as far as power is concerned, especially now that Scorpio is going to be coming at the end of the year. And we're moving more and more like these AAA studios are going to be making more and more intensive games because they can. Right. If somehow Nintendo makes it compelling for these AAA developers to port to the switch, it's going to have to be a downgraded port. Sure. And it's not going to look as good. Do you see yourself playing any AAA titles? on the switch and downgraded capacity. Do you see those games selling to someone who would buy a switch? Even if like the same audience that the PS4 and the Xbox one has ended up somehow buying a switch and there was some reason like the portability of it made it compelling. The land party kind of aspect of it made it compelling, which would make sense for like a game like overwatch could sell on the switch. Then if it was played in like a land capacity and esports kind of capacity, you're not gonna have the same like online kind of infrastructure because you're not going to be always connected to the online, but something like that, you know, there there was a a reasonable, you know, game hierarchy support for the switch. Like I I just, I wonder what the the main thing keeping people from buying those games is, is is it just completely that it's a different like subsect of gamers or is it because the developers don't give a shit and they sort of shovel off. Oh, here's, madden for the 360 but ported over with like a new roster so it's like a shittier version is it because the developers don't care enough to make a good game on the console or is it because the people who own the console don't want the games like i'm just trying to figure out like people are always saying you know you need triple a support but that has never really been the back that nintendo has like lived on you know like i just don't understand like why 
Nintendo consoles succeed or fail. I think it comes down explicitly to third-party support. But the GameCube didn't live. Like, that did not survive at all, and that had a lot of third-party support. So there's other aspects, like clearly, you know, DVD player, but the GameCube outsold the three, the Xbox, and the Xbox had a DVD player too. The Xbox was... That was different because it was sort of a new, it was a new player. Microsoft was a new player in the, in the console game. I mean, Sony was still kind of a new player. It was their second console. It, oh, the second, the first console sold hundred million units. And Nintendo is the reason that that console was successful is directly related in Nintendo's incompetence is the reason that the PS one took off. And then the PS two was built on the back of the PS one and the fact that it was a cheap DVD player. So clearly you're saying that there's more than one thing that sells the console. Like we've been over this, like we've beat this drum a million times. So I'm just, I'm trying to like look at it in a different light and see, you know, people are saying the switch is going to fail. I don't think it's going to fail. I don't think it's going to sell as badly as the Wii U. No, it should sell better than based that. on purely the switch just looks more appealing. There's been way better marketing. Marketing is huge. Like getting people's eyes on a thing. Right. Is what makes them buy the thing. It's been everywhere. It's been absolutely everywhere, but we've been down this path before. And it's, it's a cool looking thing. So like there is a reasonable chance that we could see something like not necessarily actually Titanfall two. No, there's, there's no chance of that because unless I'm not saying Titanfall two, I'm saying no, something know. like Titanfall two, maybe, maybe, but again, third party developers are not going to push anything for the system unless the system comes out of the gate and just defies all expectations and sells tons of units. Oh, you know, like the Wii because nobody was supporting the Wii after a couple of years. Except for EA for Madden somehow. They get totally different because that was like a crappy console. Yeah, but that was a lot of people. And the Switch comparatively is a crappy console. So no, but I'm saying that. What does that say? What does that say about third party developers that with a, uh, a console that sold 110 million units, they still didn't want to develop for that. They still didn't want their game on that platform. Not, not all of them, but there are a lot of people who refused to develop for that system because it was a bad system. It was difficult to develop for. It was a downgrade from the current generation that they were working with. They st- 110 million units and they still didn't want to put their game on that system. What does that say? I'm saying that it's a symptom of game development pushing more and more and more with just those AAA, those like four main AAA developers that they are pushing the boundaries for power. And that's fine. But I don't really give a shit about those games. And that's fine. A lot of people do. Like in the millions. But we're seeing those sales numbers kind of drop off and peter out. And these franchises are getting like fucking driven into the ground. They've had a down year. But they'll, 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 be, they'll take a year off. And you know, the next Assassin's Creed game will be the best selling Assassin's Creed game of all time. Yeah, but Ubisoft is a little bit. They're, they're probably the least egregious in that. Sure. EA like shuffling out Battlefront. Like that's kind of rough. That's kind of annoying. Right. Or, you know, the same Call of Duty coming out year after year after year is like, it's kind of whatever. They're spending all this money there. It's an increased back end cost for, uh, for hopefully a increased payoff. And it's going to take one time where that completely fails and you're going to sink a huge AAA franchise. And that's going to be way harder to recover from. Then if an e like a an indie game developer puts out a game and it kind of flops, you're talking about like thousands of people working on a game that cost them like millions and millions of dollars. Like it's getting way inflated, and it's I think it's just a matter of time until that like the feasibility of those huge titles is going to drop off completely. But again, you have to look at the profits that these companies are turning on, like you know how much 
their software is selling for, they are making their money back on all, even the, the failures. All they got to do is sell 500,000 units and they've made their fucking budget back, which is not ideal. Like you don't want to break even, like you want to make a huge profit, like sure. But I think on our end, looking at it, we, th- oh, this is, this has got to come to an end soon. Right. But for them, they're like, we had a down year. We still made hundreds of millions of dollars, like even on our failures. Like I don't think it's a concern for them. Going back to the third party thing, you can fail with third party, but there are exactly zero cases where a console has succeeded without third party. GameCube had had wonderful third party support, and that console still failed comparatively. But there are other reasons for that failure. Like I said, there are zero there's zero precedent for a console becoming a commercial success without third party support. That is the freaking death rattle dude well i'm just I, I just i wonder what you mean by total third party support because every nintendo handheld has been a market like a comparatively huge success when you compare it to like the grand scheme of consoles and and i don't know if that's like a fair metric but tons of third party support what like what has been the the real third party support and like how is that markedly different from uh say the gamecube or like the the wii like I want to see, I, I, I'm not like doubting you or anything. I just, I just, I'm trying to like wrap my mind around that. I mean, the Vita like I had great third party support because that's the only ones who have supported the Vita. Having third party support doesn't mean you will be a success, but you will fail without the third party support. You will fail. The Wii didn't fail. The Wii had third party support. It wasn't stuff you and I cared about. And like the, after a while, the major AAA games weren't coming to the Wii, but it had plenty of third party support. Yeah, but the Wii still sold really greatly. It sold real bigly. Real bigly. Real hugely. It was huge. The sales numbers. No, yeah, totally. And a lot of those games, but they're all like, again, marketed at, you know, your aunt and and my little brother. Yeah, so the Switch could potentially inhabit that same space. That's not ideal. The Wii sucked for games. Nintendo put out six good games and it, the console fucking sucked. And that's why the Wii U failed. I don't want the Switch to occupy that space. I don't want that to happen. Do you like your 3DS? Do you like your Vita? I need it. I need the Switch to... to Replace the 3DS and enjoy that success. I need it to. Because the Vita's only been sold to weebs. Sure. You love your Vita. <laughs> I, I like my Vita. I think it's the best piece of handheld technology we've ever had. But I still only own five games for it, and most of them are indies. That's a whole separate issue. And that's why I don't like the Nintendo has, has stacked themselves up against consoles. Just replace your fucking handheld with this. This is the best handheld ever. Don't be reaching for the fucking stars, man. That's the whole problem with this whole fucking thing we've talked about a million times it doesn't have to be just marketed as a handheld because it's not just a handheld because it's not good enough to be just one or just the other (laughs) well that's not true i think this this is as a purely as a handheld this is no it's not good enough to be just a handheld battery life sucks ass after watching comparisons i think the battery life does kind of suck but after watching comparisons the switch has a better battery life than any of the 3ds's well 3ds has always had a really bad battery doesn't matter 60 million (laughs) units massive success I'm totally on board with the Switch now as a handheld only. Yeah, but that was because I had, had third-party support, not because I had a good battery. <laughs> well, I mean, the battery was, was definitely a, a, a hindrance, but I'm saying the Switch could definitely be a handheld first, and then the, their only competition is themselves. But because they put themselves up against, the expectations have been set and been set by them. And that is where the issue is going to come when when marketing to... I don't think that them saying it's a handheld and a console is going to have people really comparing it too heavily to the Xbox one or the PS4, because there's always going to have that in their mind where they can just pick it up and walk to the couch and curl up and play it in the, in their lap. Again, 
where we totally disagree is I don't think that's compelling for the average consumer. It's compelling enough to sell 80 million handheld units in the current year. Sure. But again, those, those are like diehard dedicated gamers. If there's 80 million diehard dedicated gamers and they all buy a Switch, that's a great console. <laughs> I don't think the Switch is because of the way Nintendo has marketed it, because of some of the decisions they made with the hardware. I don't think this is going to be compelling to someone wanting to replace their 3DS. Because they're still selling games to those people who own 3DSs, but next year they're not going to be selling those games anymore because they're going to be selling them on the Switch. Yeah, so I guess we will see. Again, I just don't think the Switch is as compelling for someone who strictly wants a handheld experience. And there, there are steps Nintendo could have taken. Why? Because you can plug it into your TV also? Because you're just saying that it is just good enough as a portable that people could play it just as a portable. It's it's about messaging. And messaging is obviously hugely important. Look at the fucking Wii U. If messaging wasn't important, the Wii U would have been a success. Hugely. Hugely. <laughs> now, the Wii U, the, the Wii U had, had other problems besides just marketing. I do agree. They shot themselves in the foot and that 13 million number would probably be more likely a, a 25 million number. An Xbox One number. Which... Up, up up against the Xbox One and the the PS4 would be a lot better. It's it's crazy that the PS4 is doing as well as it's doing. It's putting shame to everything else. Twenty twenty six million units for the Xbox One should be like total runaway success. But because PS4 is doing historic numbers, it's just like oh, Microsoft's sort of taking a shit over there. We we go down this rabbit hole every time. We, we four podcasts we've said the exact same shit. We have a whole list of things like new stuff we actually want to get to now that we're two hours in. Just this, we'll see what happens with the Switch, man. I think there are a lot of factors like we've established. That's one of our mantras here on the console crusade is, oh, we'll see what we'll happens. See what happens. <laughs> I think precedent points to a bunch of negatives based on the, the first impressions of, of reviews. Like the Switch, what it does, it does really well. And that's awesome. And I am terribly excited for it. All right. Dude, yeah. Even just like watching people like browse through the UI, it's like quick and snappy. It seems like it's going to be a really enjoyable user experience going back to the graphics and whatever is i hope that nintendo they don't need this thing to be uber powerful to do what it needs to do but they need to stay in their lane and treat the the fucking machine for what it is and i'm already seeing with zelda where they want to push the graphics they want to push the particle effects and the fucking how many blades of grass you have on the ground like they want to push all these things but it doesn't have the power so the trade-off is okay we have jags and we've got poppin and we've got stutter dial it back and just find that fucking happy medium where you are resting right in that, that sweet spot between power and performance. And right now they're not doing that. And I think that's only going to get worse as time goes on because they've put it in this, this tier with other home consoles that they feel like we have to hit the certain benchmark. Don't mm. do that. Dial it back. I don't need my game to look all crazy. I just need it to run well. I need to not, you know, don't break my immersion. You know, and so that's that's my problem with them having thrown their hat in the ring with with a, what a home console should do it. Well, it's not like PS4 and Xbox One have never chugged with any game they play either. It's a problem I have with them too. Like, dial it back. I don't know why, but it's always the Pokemon games on 3DS are the only games I've noticed on a Nintendo console that really fucking struggle. Like they are, they try so hard and they cannot keep up. And those games still look like fucking crap. They don't look that bad. They don't look that bad. Sun and Moon look like shit. It looks better than X and Y, and X and Y looks better than Black and White, and Black and White looks better than. I mean, the, uh, historically, Pokemon games have never held their own. They haven't looked good since they moved off of sprites. Well, even then, they always like like look at the third generation. Those games look so yeah, those fucking games look dated. Beautiful. No, dude, they look so dated compared to what the, the Game Boy Advance was doing. No, compare. Okay, when you went from okay, so you played Red and Blue. Those games looked all right. It was a Game Boy game. You played Gold and Silver. It was like wow, they had some color. 
crystal moving battle animation sprites i mean it's just it wiggling and like having a little seizure i mean there's an improvement like, whatever. there it looked good and then you go from that to ruby sapphire or fire red leaf green and it's a huge huge improvement there's weather there's reflections in the water like it's a huge and it looks great and you go back and it still looks great and you, then you play the, the ds1 narrow no, you go to the ds1 and it's sprites mixed with like a weird like paper town and it looks a little bit like chintzy and weird but the battle animations still look I, great why are you describing all this to me I, i've been here for the whole ride i understand the improvements that the pokemon games have made but you still somehow think the third generation looks the worst like what the fuck is wrong with you no 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 i'm not saying it looks i'm saying look at what the machine was doing at the time pokemon has always been several steps back how is that a, st- a step back from anything on the game boy advance dude the best games in the Game Boy Advance are just remakes of Super Nintendo games. Graphically, Pokemon comes nowhere near. Nowhere near. Ruby Sapphire, I mean, it looks like two different consoles at times. I'm trying to like understand what you're comparing it to. Like even even going through some of our launch titles for for uh Pocket Crusade. I swear to God. No, if you I'm not gonna say Iridian. I'm not going to. But I'm saying Jesus some of the Christ. games on launch. Are better looking army men? No, army men look like shit. What about Rayman? Hmm. Well, Rayman also looks like about shit. Earthworm Jim. <laughs> Earthworm Jim looked good, but played terribly. Bad and game. It was a port, so bad like, game. So what game on launch? Castlevania, because Castlevania did not look better than Pokemon. No, that was that was also pretty rough. Circle of the Moon had a good aesthetic, and I appreciated it, and it played well. But Pokemon definitely benefits from being tile based and having the formula for a handheld version of it like set in stone from the start. Like look at something like golden sun or what was the Zelda game? Minish cap. Minish cap. Oh, Minish cap is beautiful. I don't think Minish cap looks better than uh, Pokemon. I think actually a, a more sprite like a, cause Minish cap was obviously sprites, but that was like that weird pseudo 3d, like almost like a donkey Kong country Minish where cap? it was like tr- yeah. Minish cap. Yeah. No, I gotta look at screenshots real quick. It, it definitely had that kind of vibe. Like if it had like the real, outlines and more like a Link's Awakening kind of sprite-based system. I think I would have liked that game maybe a little bit more. I don't know. I'm looking at it. It just looks like a really pretty Link to the Past. Mm. It looks like it looks mm. like Mario uh, and Luigi Superstar Saga, to be honest. Another game that is way better looking than the third-gen Pokemon games. That's like an aesthetic thing. Maybe. It's not like it was pushing the hardware like, oh man, Mario's never looked this good. Finally, you can do it. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know how we... How do we fucking do this? How do we do this? Well, you got mad... About Ruby and Sapphire not being the greatest games. Greatest looking games. Or something. I still... I don't know. You got mad and I shot you down. <laughs> what the fuck ever. God Called damn it. Called you out. Well, here, how's this for a segue? Game Boy Advance games. We have no virtual console on the Switch at launch. But we speculated. Just like Wii U. Which... Uh, why? Where? Uh, justify it, Nick. The console wasn't ready. I, just... Why? Just do it. The infrastructure's already there. Why can't you just do it? Obviously, you know, Nintendo doesn't say anything ever, but it's been speculated, rumored, whatever, that the same dudes that did the emulation for the NES Classic is working on the emulation for the Switch. I'm glad you brought this up, Nick. That sucks. N- N-E-R-D. That sucks. They've got a cool acronym that stands for nerd. Fuck those guys. <laughs> the emulation on the NES Classic is terrible. People have been like, accolading and being like yo this is way better than anything nintendo's ever done before better than the 3ds the wii and the wii u not terribly high praise how is that not terribly high praise because based on the baseline that's 
above average. The baseline is the ROM or the emulators I've been using for almost 20 years. That's the fucking baseline. I'm saying for Nintendo, though, because what you're doing is illegal. Well, whatever. If some <laughs> asshole's mom's basement can fucking program a better emulator than Nintendo and their billions of dollars, there's a serious problem here. I was playing the NES Classic last night, and I tried every different mode. I tried Pixel Perfect. I tried widescreen. I tried Scanline. You know, whatever. The emulation sucks. So many graphical glitches and hitches and weird fucking things. Is it the emulator sucking or the game sucking? Because <laughs> that sounds like that could easily be happening just because the game is not a great game. I played like six games last night and it happened to every single one of them. The same like sprites disappearing and flashing and, and getting weird lines through them. Like I was just thinking to myself, this is really not great emulation. Uh, the 3DS emulation I think was great. The Super Nintendo games ran flawlessly. But no, but seriously, did, did those games ever do that in their original form? No. Are you sure? I'm playing. Oh, dude, I'm playing Super Mario, or I'm playing Super. Uh, I'm playing Mario Bros. Not Super Mario. Play Mario Bros. I'm playing Donkey Kong Junior. Games that I have put many, many hours into. I'm seeing them do things I've never seen before. I'm just double checking because I have definitely played NES games where there was weird flashing and like sure. sprites glitching out and shit. Things I've never seen before in Mario Bros. I've never seen it before. I'm running through this game levels I've played a hundred fucking times. And so I actually thought it was, oh, maybe it's because of the widescreen. So if I put it into Pixel Perfect, it'll alleviate the issue. Not the case. I don't know. I thought the Super Nintendo emulation on 3DS was really good. I played Donkey Kong. I played Super Mario World. I played a little bit of Earthbound on the 3DS. And I had no issues whatsoever. Uh, One thing I wish they would fix is the slowdown in Earthbound is really, really bad. You know what I'm talking about? You get too many characters on screen. Oh, the the chug is real. I never played it on. I don't have a new 3ds, so no, no, no. Any any version of the game. Never experienced that. Oh my god! Because this is why we can't talk graphics. Is simple, simple slowdown, man. If I mean more power to you. If it, if if that sort of thing gets past the uh, the filters there, like that's good. That's one less thing to inhibit your experience. Or I just or I just never experienced it. I mean, I played it on my laptop like five years ago. So it may have happened. I just don't remember. I wonder wonder if that would have alleviated the problem. I remember reading reviews of Earthbound when that came out on Wii U. And that was the number one complaint is like, there's no way they could have optimized this from the original experience. Like, why am I getting slowed down on an emulator? Yeah, the Wii U emulation was really bad. Of N64 specifically, which I actually didn't really notice that bad. People complained about like it being really dark. So I don't know. It wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but it was only when like side by side. And even then, I think it was just like my TV compensated for it. So no virtual console at launch then. At this point, I don't think it's a big deal. Like it should be a big deal, but it's what we've come to expect. Now we've come to terms with the fact that this is a soft launch and we're beta testing this entire this entire experience so that it's ready come December, right? It's frustrating, which is a, a word we use often. I use often when talking about Nintendo. And it's weird that only Microsoft cares about their back catalog. Really kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, I think, honestly, the only reason Microsoft did the backwards compatible uh, thing is because... They don't have enough games. <laughs> that, well, that's true. They have no exclusives anymore. Uh, but they were losing the console war, and they we, uh, we had to do something to bring the last gen into the fold. Yeah, even Nintendo losing the console war so badly, they can't even get themselves to make themselves a good emulator and put out more games and work out more deals with third parties. Even like their old games, like you're never going to see another Sega game. On virtual console. Another way that they're out of touch and, and goes to show that they just have a fundamental sort of misunderstanding of, of what their fans want. There's no reason not to do these things. 
and there's every reason to do them. Well, like you, like you've said that their fans aren't enough. <sighs> My own arguments coming back to buy me in the ass. You're right. They're, they're, their fans aren't enough. So they have to expand and virtual console is not bringing new people in. So I get that. That's not like a, a priority for them. You can't take any steps backward. You've got to placate your current audience. You, you can't take things away from them. You can't take things away from them if you never give it to them in the first place. Oh my God. Bad meme. It's true though. It's so true. It's unfortunate. It, it really seemed like that would be an easy win for them. I can only imagine the, the, the margin of profit on virtual consoles is very high for how much work they have to put in to actually get them there. At least you'd think. But I also hope that this is just a sign that they're putting the work in beforehand so it's not shitty later on. Right. And I would assume that it's going to be built into their online infrastructure since they're talking about, you know, you have your free monthly game that you can play online and that maybe there's like some sort of more work they have to do. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's enough about that nonsense. Something interesting that I wanted to bring up for a few reasons. I'll get to that here in a minute. We had a a Japan exclusive game announced for the Switch. Mm. It's going to be handheld only. Uh, I think it's called Voez. Voez. I think it's a rhythm simulator, something or another, right? Yeah, some sort of rhythm game. Something weird. Sort of raise a few interesting questions. If we're getting handheld only games, are we going to get TV only games? I doubt it. My number one reason is that this is a mobile port from a phone. So, but it could be setting a precedent for what for a real developer. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> Oh, burn. Shots fired. Erect your rhythm game, Japan. Deal with it. It just seems like sort of a weird thing. And the fact that it's, I think it's setting precedent in a number of ways. First off, we're getting mobile ports to the Switch. Makes sense. And this could get me on another tangent about how if the Nintendo, if they did everything right, the Switch could be such a success outside of just the video game market. Like the Switch is such a great little tablet. Imagine if this thing was like had uh, internet browser functionality and and it could replace Kindle. It could replace iPads for most people. It could, you know, it's like it could be the perfect all in one tablet with real game controls. If but they're not they're not going down that route. And I think if they decide to, it'll be too late. Yeah, if that's an afterthought, that'd be fine. I would be okay with that as long as it doesn't hinder my experience playing Nintendo games. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. I don't see how it could, though. How could it? I mean, how did motion controls hinder the Wii from being a dedicated gaming console? Because they never released a real controller. Like, that's why. And they had to justify the motion control. Right. It's why I was kind of hesitant and, like, worried that they have motion controls in the Joy-Cons, but I've yet to see evidence one way or the other that that's going to be, like, a bad thing. That's why the gamepad made the Wii U a worse console, because they had to try and somehow make that thing worthwhile trying to continually justify it when it was like all right it was an experiment that didn't work just make a regular game it has the same buttons as every other console just make a regular game but they couldn't because they're like well we got this weird tv that you hold so the only reason that that could be a bad thing is if they leaned into it too hard which i'm glad they're not but it is a door that is still open for them i guess that's all just an eventuality i think if if nintendo wants to occupy in, in, in any legitimate way, this sort of weird hybrid, is it a tablet, is it a handheld, is it a console, like this weird space that doesn't really exist. You know, the the, the saying, jack of all trades, master and none, whatever. I think it's, it's fine to do everything well enough, but they aren't doing enough right now well enough. Like, they don't need to be perfect in any aspect. They just need to be able to do all of it well enough. And right now, there's so much that it's not doing, and it's not doing on launch, and it may never do that. It's it's again to to sort of be appealing to a 
a widespread market, not just us. And obviously we still like it enough based on its merits alone that we both have, have kept our pre-orders. Oh yeah. <laughs> what could possibly happen between now and launch that would make me want to cancel my pre-order on Nintendo's end? I don't know. They've, uh, they've checked enough boxes for me. Yeah. Nintendo makes good games, so I'll support them. Back to what you're saying about this uh, mobile game being announced for Switch. Reminded me of uh, a point that I made to you before that I don't remember if we recorded or not. It was basically that I think that there is a distinct possibility that we see portable only games, but only because that doesn't detract from your experience in any like realistic way. Right. Because there's no, yeah, pretty much no case in which you cannot play it portably. Like even if you're at home, you can play it portably. So it's just a matter of, oh no, I have to get up and go pick up the switch to play this mobile game. Like that's not a huge detractor in the grand scheme of things, but that I don't think that lends credence to there ever being a docked only mode unless it was like a a game that you can play outside of the dock but only one like aspect of the game is available when it's docked like a multiplayer kind of thing instead of there being like a tabletop mode you can only play it while it's docked because it can't muster up enough power to do the split screen justice something like that that. but that wouldn't be a a detractor right in my opinion oh i certainly hope that there aren't going to be any tv only exclusive games there's no reason other than i think laziness on the developer's part right trying to optimize something for a handheld only. And I think that's something we could probably see just based on the laziness we've seen between PS4 and PS Pro. Like developers don't want to have to fragment their their uh, resources into developing multiple iterations of a game. Yeah, dude, that's such a bummer, man. Like it reflects poorly on the developer, it reflects poorly on the console, and then the consumer don't like it either. Like Nobody wins in that scenario, and that's just that nah, fucking sucks. That's something that we will see how it plays out with the Switch, but it could be a huge issue, or it could be a total non-issue. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's there's no barriers or walls between making it work well in handheld and on the TV. I hope this means that Mario Maker totally like with t- uh, full touchscreen functionality. That'd be great. I would love to see that. I hope Nintendo doesn't decide. Nintendo is there's a precedent for them coming out, and they could say, "Well, we didn't want." There to be any sort of disconnect between how the player plays, so we decided to just scrap touchscreen functionality altogether. I mean, see Mario Maker for 3DS. <laughs> like, totally makes no sense. Look at Zelda. Breath of the Wild has no touchscreen controls. You can't even navigate a menu with a touchscreen. Yeah, it's weird. Why is that? You can do that in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Sort of a frustrating thing, and that's this. Nintendo will probably address it, and they'll probably have some bullshit like, "Well, we didn't, we didn't want to confuse the player into thinking that there was touchscreen functionality within the game." Like, no. No, you're not confusing anybody. How come I can press the menu, but I can't control Link with the touchscreen? Like, you know what I'm saying? How they've come out and they'll give these bullshit fucking oh, yeah, I know. It's like, dude, <laughs> shut up with that crap. How hard would it have been to implement touchscreen controls so I can navigate my menu with my finger? Like, come on. No, it's part of the, uh, it's part of the first DLC. Is you get touchscreen menu support? Yeah, we didn't talk. We haven't talked to Breath of the Wild DLC. Here's the I thought thing. we talked about that last time. We did, we did not. Oh my God. It's, it's been, been a, a long while. time, huh? Oh, shit. The DLC. <laughs> I am, you got some hot takes on the DLC, man? I, I have no issue with Nintendo doing DLC at all, especially because I think they've done DLC mostly right, mm-hmm. uh, what little they've done. But if I recall, the Breath of the Wild DLC will add a hard mode. The fact that you have to pay for a hard mode is 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 ridiculous. That's something that every Zelda game has had, if I, if I can recall. Well, not every game, but every game that they've implemented it in, it's been a, a it's been free. So now that you're right. you're charging us for the ability to go back and do new game plus or whatever the challenge mode, hero mode or whatever. 
the first pack, I think you get like a t-shirt, in-game t-shirt, which not only breaks immersion completely because it's a Switch t-shirt that Link can wear, but it's like, really, I'm paying $20 to like get a hard mode in a fucking t-shirt? Like that's... That's not that's not part of the, the first pack. That's like a, a weird order bonus. I'm not sure if it's like oh, a pre- if you pre-order the DLC or if you something like day one kind of thing. Like you get these three treasure chests in the okay. plateau. But the first one is pretty bare bones it's the hard mode and then the uh, cave of trials right the second one actually has like a like a, an added story thing and added dungeon like that's substantial the one thing that kind of irked me was like you said the the hard mode is not very substantial unless it's like a, a fully redone thing like a master quest let's be honest it, it won't be but they they would have said that yeah if that was what it was so i have no hope that it is and you can't buy them separately it's a one dlc split up into two parts yeah that you only really want the second part yep so that's kind of irritating which that might be they might split it up later and do like what a lot of developers do where it's like you can buy it all in one or you can buy it in piecemeal for a larger amount right and they're just like not making that known that it'll be available like maybe since this is like a pre-order kind of situation like the deal it's like a season pass right right so like when they become available, then you'll be able to buy them separately, maybe. But I'll probably buy it just because 20 bucks is not that much. And I'm going to be playing a lot of Zelda. So I will I will reward them for their their shady actions <laughs> just because they've they've done well in the past, especially with Mario Kart. I won't be giving my money until I find out whether or not I actually like Zelda. Bro, you, you pre-ordered one to switch. <laughs> that's OK. I feel like that's the most justifiable thing I spent my money on realistically that's the most justifiable one like i spent 70 dollars on a pro controller no i think that is a little more egregious than like i spent 30 dollars on one two switch with with my discount oh yeah and i could buy one two switch for nothing if i had a 50 dollar reward card this is the one thing that takes advantage of the joy cons which is apparently the biggest deal about the switch this is like all all the rage that is the one thing i actually want to play one two switch for is to check out the hd rumble Right, everything about the Joy-Con I want to experience, and 1-2-Switch is the only way to do it. You know what that means? What's that mean? It means the Switch has HDR. You just blew a mind. They can market that. Switch, HDR compatible. Watch, uh, Scorpio comes out, it's got 4K rumble. 4K rumble. <laughs> I love uh, I love hardware <laughs> jokes. They're the worst. It's got all the acronyms that you'll ever need. <laughs> well, no, how else would you experience any of that without 1-2-Switch? Well, it's going to be in a fast RMX, which I'll probably end up buying. Actually, that's a now confirmed launch title. I will also probably buy. Wish I had a physical release, but Ugh, really wish. I'm not articulating what I want to say, but dude, Shovel Knight. Do I want to buy that again? Not digitally. I'm going to get all of Shovel Knight on Steam, but it's coming to Switch first. The Specter of Torment is coming to Switch first. Who cares? Nobody, especially me. Yeah, who cares? But it's like it's cool that Nintendo's working with Yacht Club. That makes me stoked for the possibility of Shovel Knight and Smash or some sort of crossover. I don't know. Like, that'd be nice. That'd be great. But I, I'm not going to go out. I'm not buying Shovel Knight again digitally. I own it physically on PlayStation, Wii, and 3DS. Trust me, I would definitely add it. Vita? I do not own it on Vita, no. Uh, I would definitely buy it on Switch if it got a physical release. But the fact that I'm not, and the fact that the, the Joy, uh, Joy-Cons don't have a D-pad, I have absolutely zero reason to want to to buy on the switch oh yeah i'm waiting for there to be a, a d-pad joy con i think that's the only time i would i would buy a joy con mostly get like a, a, a pack in like a 
if in the future you can spend like a hundred bucks to get both joy cons and like one two switch i might do that i think one two switch is not going to be a game that you uh, will be able to justify owning i think one of us needs to own it it'll be you because you are irresponsible with your money yep and here's the thing you and i and sam my buddy sam who also has a switch pruner we're gonna have a fucking blast with one two switch i don't know where we're doing this but thursday night at midnight we're picking up our switches I don't know where we're going to go, but we're going to all, we're going to get them out. We're going to unbox them. We're going to start playing and we're going to buzz out that one, two switch and we're all going to play it. Get some of the other idiots on board. I really don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to be able to peel Sam away from Zelda. Fair enough. You and I are going to play one, two switch. And I don't know if you're going to be able to peel me away from Zelda. Yo, I spent $30 on one, two switch. Someone's playing this fucking game with me, bro. You can spend $30 on one, two switch and wait two weeks for me to play the game into submission. I thought it's a launch experience. I don't want to just. Diving to Zelda with headphones in. Come on, dude. Doesn't have to be headphones. I'm only in town for fucking 24 hours. One, two, switch to me. And then you have all weekend to fucking play Zelda. Wait, are you taking work off on Thursday night? Uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, stupid question. <laughs> nice. So excited. Did you see the uh, fucking Zelda amiibo? Like they, I asked you earlier, but they, uh, they dug up like some game code in Breath of the Wild. Some data mining? Yeah, dude. The game code. They found out that that there's a potential 30th anniversary amiibo for a Skyward Sword, Majora's Mask, and Twilight Princess version of Link to sit alongside the Wind Waker version, the Ocarina version, and the new uh, Bow Bowmaster Link. Bowflex. Bowflex. <laughs> Chuck Norris Link. I was wondering, because 30th anniversary, it's like a little late for that now. It's been 31 years. <laughs> it's the 30th anniversary of the one-year anniversary of Zelda. <laughs> you could market that. Sure. Or I was off the tongue. No, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be cool to get a uh, Majora's Mask. Right. I uh, I don't know. The only one I really care about so far is the Wind Waker one. Which you got, right? I did get. Was it a Twilight Princess one? Or is that what you just mentioned? They've got the Wolf Link. Oh, yeah. That's true. But they don't have like a human Twilight Princess Link. No, they don't. Which is what I'm assuming this probably refers to. So that'd be cool just to get all the different links. Like that, that'd be, that'd be really cool. All, the, all they'd have left to do is to do the one with the... Uh, Oh, God, the weird... Minish Cap with Ezlo? No, the one from Link to the Past with the... Oh, yeah, with the pink hair. Yeah, the goofy hair and the yeah, the tunic oh, and the yellow hair. hat or whatever. I mean, they already have the 8-bit Link, and I think that kind of encompasses enough of the, the sprite-based. You're triggering me. Just like you're not, you're not going to get a Super Mario World Mario amiibo. Why not? That's a totally different look. It's a totally different look, but it's still sprites. It's whatever. the most distinct look. It's like this weird, fat little Mario. I mean, to be honest, you don't have even different iterations of Mario. I would be blown away if they did like a, a flood Mario from Sunshine. That would be so sick. That'd be cool. I would buy that and I don't even want it. Did <laughs> you, you know Nintendo is going to be doing that sort of thing? He's got short sleeves in that game. The attention to detail. <laughs> the weirdest fucking revelation that anyone's ever made to me. They're like, did you know? You made me look it up, and I looked it up, and I said, that's weird. Yeah. Those are some short sleeves. Those are some short <laughs> sleeves. Oh, my God. Just wearing a t-shirt and suspenders. Good old Mario. Well, man, that was that was most of my list. We went off the fucking rails, as usual. That's just, you know what? I don't even need to address it. The people listening to this podcast, they understand. This is what happens. They signed up for it. We go down this well. We articulate poorly. We stutter and and sputter our way through and we have a good time doing it and completely miss each other's points yeah that happens almost on purpose but generally not Nah, usually i'm just being an idiot and then you text me like a day later and be like oh you idiot why'd you say that you don't even understand what i'm trying to say that happened last time what were we arguing about 
it doesn't matter. I don't want to rehash oh this. Oh my God, it was about the servers going Shut down. The fuck up. Like, the server's not going to burn down, EJ. There's literally, I'm like, that's not what I mean, Nick. That's not what I mean. It happens. It's a bad time for all. In post, I edit out the parts that make us like seem egregiously stupid. For those of you listening, you're wondering to yourselves, this is edited? You've, you, you've removed segments where you sound even dumber than you already do? Like, trust me, yes. Yeah, what you don't know is we've been recording for six hours, and when you listen to this, it's going to be a lot shorter than that. <laughs> this, is, this is the best we could fucking pull, and that is depressing. Been at this since noon. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Did you, had you even gone to bed by noon today? Yeah, I went to bed at like 11. Okay. I, uh, I, I text you these spicy memes, and it's got to the point where we don't even acknowledge each other anymore. We just send each other memes. And then I, you know, imagine what your response may be. It's tough because usually I get those when I wake up and it's like 11 o'clock and then I'm like going to work and then I can't text you back till like maybe 1130. And then at that point, it's been so long. I sent you some good ones yesterday. Now that's what I call pod racing. (laughs) That was great. That's a bad one. I've seen that one before. This one, this is my favorite one. So first off, you saw the Alex Jones picture of him walking. Oh yeah, yeah, this works great. This is great radio. That 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 one took off or it took its on a life of its own, him walking, and then they, they spawned a whole bunch of different Alex Jones behind him. Okay, cross that over with some great Star Wars memes. That was great. Oh my god. So for those of you listening, the picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi looking down at the cloud facility saying, Magnificent, aren't they? And it's just like a million Alex Jones in this fucking pose. As if a million voices cried out. About goblin vomit. <laughs> Dude, the things that man says. So this is how Liberty dies. With turning the friggin' frogs gay. <laughs> like, dude, the shit that comes out of that man's mouth gives me life. Okay? Like, uh, our friend Claire, her boyfriend Barry, we text very rarely, but when we do, it's almost exclusively about Alex Jones. <laughs> just like some ridiculous fucking thing he said lately. I'm sure there's a, a wiki that collects just the most ridiculous quotes. Like, that has to exist, right? Isn't wiki quote a thing? Is it? <laughs> probably. But probably for real quotes. You've gone completely off the rails and you've lost even me. So I think we got to cut this off before it gets too bad. Cuck. You fucking cuck. Wow. <laughs> Just because I like to see my girlfriend get, get fucked by other men, that makes me a cuck. <laughs> <laughs> by definition, actually. <laughs> oh, oh. That's, that's exactly oh, it. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, man. Alex Jones, this has been the Council Crusade Podcast. We're turning the friggin' frogs gay. Thank you.